For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. The puck goat dominates the front pages. It really is an opportunity for headline writers and the tabloid tabloids to shine. Um, the Mirror this morning has the goat escape. as They're trying to work in uh, the great escape. Um, you know, imagine something along the lines of the heat wave has got really bad. Might work. I don't know, but uh, I love... Uh, the sun this morning uh, and the star like the star says it's too pucking hot <laughs> puck king hot heat waves got to our goat um, another one then the puck stops here uh, animal activists rejoice as king puck is removed from his throne yes he is ladies and gentlemen puck had to come down yesterday a vet was monitoring the temperatures on the ground and the temperatures up at the top of the podium and decided not nah, Get him down, lads. Get him down. Can't be done. Um, so he's down. Um, I don't know whether this is the start of the end of, you know, because animal activists have come out very much every single time the goat goes up to say that it's cruelty, it's barbaric, and it shouldn't be tolerated. Uh, and um, they're rejoicing now that this, I, I'm just wondering as to whether this really is the start of the end, as to whether you can ever come back from this. I don't know, particularly with regards to the amount of attention that the goat, uh, who, who really and truly is, I mean, in spite of the fact that the goat's taken from the mountain and is up at the top of the podium for three days, treated very well in spite of all of that. Well fed uh, and well watered and what have you. And then released back into the wilds. But there you have it nonetheless. And we're getting warnings like the Echo this morning uh, speaks with Martin Collin, the third officer from Red Watch at the Fire Brigade, giving warnings to people. Uh, and we should be listening to them right across the week that we had and, of course, uh, across the weekend. Uh, particularly things that you mightn't think about. Road traffic accidents caused by the glare from the sun. Absolutely. I've noticed it. And anybody that's got a sunroof in their car, and if you, you know, if you have a you know, solar panel on the top of your head and no hair, you want to be very careful about things like that with the sun baiting down through the sun, through the sunroof. But anyway, road traffic accidents caused by the glare of the sun, barbecues going wrong, um, watching out for vulnerable road users like cyclists or pedestrians that you might miss with the glare of the sun, not leaving pets in cars. He says it only takes 15 minutes for serious damage to be caused. And it can happen so easy, even if you're away for 10 minutes and you've got a pet, don't even think about children or babies or or baby chairs, but a pet for even 10 minutes um, with all the windows closed, literally, literally, the pet's cooking inside in the car. Checking on the elderly and vulnerable neighbours or relatives to ensure they have enough provisions and and also just drinking enough water. Uh, There's been a huge increase then, according to the Mirror, with the sale of blowers and fans and paddling pools as the country continues to sizzle. Uh, And also research in The Independent says that nearly one in seven Irish people never applies sunscreen. Hands up, admission, I'm a demon for forgetting forgot again today uh, but apparently an awful lot of people don't bother with it or forget I don't know whether they think they don't need it because of course we all do on days like this with regards to skin cancer but over in the UK many of the supermarkets have banned the sales of the disposable barbecues you know the ones they've taken them off the shelves because of parched earth and dry grass which could lead to an exceptional risk of wildfires so that's where we're at but there are beautiful sights in the sky uh, all week and Astronomy Ireland are warning that today or at least tonight uh, would be the last really good opportunity to get a look at the incredible super moon so that's a lovely story that talks about what you should be looking at particularly if you're in a dark dark sky area if you're on your holidays down west along 
I mean, the nights must be incredible with the with the clear skies. But um, Cork is on the comeback, or at least it will be this weekend. Very positive front page on the Echo saying that Westlife will see 80,000 Westlife fans descending on the city. And hopefully they'll be doing an awful lot of tapping with their debit cards and Revolut. And they'll have an awful lot of cash and they'll be spending their moolah. Comeback for Cork as the park is set to host two Westlife gigs. And of course, we're looking forward to a great big dining experience uh, on the streets of Cork uh, next week and tickets are on sale for uh, Cork on a Fork. More on that. But there are a couple of alarming stories because we have the latest uh, group of different stories about uh, closures because of health and safety issues around the country. Unfortunately, uh, an awful lot of them involve rodents in the shape of rats, mice and rodent droppings and filthy and poor hygienic standards. I'm quite saddened actually to hear about Cork because I have been buying fruit and vegetables down uh, in the English market at Superfruit in my more recent purchases in there were new potatoes so I'm, I'm saddened to hear that they were closed for a few days because they posed a grave and imminent danger to public health. They found extensive rodent droppings um, on the uh, display units, sorry, under the display units on the shop floor. They found a large number of monkey nuts um, with marks similar to pest gnawing as in pest eating. They found a box of nuts on display to customers on the shop floor and many of the bags had holes similar to the gnawing of rodents. Now, in this article with regarding superfruit, they don't talk as to whether it was rats or, or mice or anything like that. But they do talk of other ones where live rats were spotted. And these are, are ones above in Dublin. Uh, unfortunately, bamboo foods also feature from County Donegal where live rats were sighted at the rear of the premises. And then a couple of food outlets in Dublin also got uh, closure, outlet, uh, closure orders one was described as being in a filthy condition. This is a takeaway on Dorset Street. Rat droppings found in the takeaway's food storage area. Oh, it's alarming, it really is. And then another one, the Zing, uh, the Zing uh, restaurant on Marlborough Street. Kitchen found to be in a filthy condition. Rodent droppings were found to be on the floor behind the freestanding fridge in the kitchen where the food was being prepared. So you wonder, are they... Are they just walking and crawling all over the place or what? Very alarming, but they're the latest closures. As the fellow says, if it was a school report, much, much must do much better. Uh, and, of course, the president's been in the news a lot recently and with all of the talk about climate change and carbon footprints, some are angry that he recently took a helicopter ride uh, and it cost the taxpayer almost €8,000 to travel by helicopter. Now, it was on official business and it was from Dublin down to Kenmare and from Kenmare to Ennis and County Clare. Uh, but the cost of it alone is eye-watering. It was an €8,000 helicopter ride. And you would think that if we're supposed to, everybody else has to tighten their belt, surely it should start at the top. And Michael O'Leary, not that I ever managed to get one of these €10 Euro flights that he goes on about all of the time. He says it's the end of the rock-bottom airfares. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they only have a few of those in their sales, don't they? You have to be right fast and be able to fly at all sorts of crazy times. But no more 10 euro fares of all has to do with fuel costs and what have you. And I know that we touched on this earlier in the week with regards to uh, pets that were bought and acquired during COVID that are now being given back. The Independent says that Ireland's largest welfare charity says that around eight dogs are being surrendered to them every day. So far this year, they have had requests to take back 1,732 dogs. Would you believe it? And of course, with regards to prices and what have you and the cost of living, uh, I don't think it is, this is the highest inflation has been in 38 years. You got to go back 38 years before you come up with anything around 
9% inflation. But there's more on the way, apparently, unfortunately, and more money will have to be found and more belts will have to be tightened. And the front page in this morning's mail deals with that. Remember, I was mentioning yesterday that there are still a lot of healthcare workers who have yet to receive their COVID bonus. That is the case. Frontline healthcare workers in hospices, private nursing homes, and disability services have still to get their €1,000. Now, the HSE say that 110,000 workers um, have been paid already. But employees who are not paid directly by the HSE, that's a different story entirely. There are two corresponding columnists making the red tops today who talk of the departure and the retirement of Serena Williams from tennis. Laura Colgan in this morning's Star and Brenda Power in the Mail. And two women with completely differing views on Serena's farewell. Laura says that Serena Williams' farewell to tennis proves the imbalance between the sexes these days and that she's not the first woman to suffer in her career. Now, bear in mind, Serena's 41 years old and watching her tennis um, in, the, in the last couple of years. Now, I know she was away from, I know she had a baby and everything. And all that, and she came back and she played reasonably well, but nothing like she was playing in her 20s or, or early 30s. But anyway, uh, Laura says Serena Williams is, a, is at the top of her game. No, 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 like it, it just isn't, it isn't true. Uh, and she feels she's forced into retirement. You're, you're not at the top of your game, you know, in your 30s and 40s, certainly not in tennis. I mean, you can play, but I don't believe you can play as well as when Serena was winning like 23 Grand Slams. She says, um, Laura Coggan says, I don't think it's fair. If it were a guy, I wouldn't be writing this because he'd be, I'd be out there playing and willing while my wife was doing the physical labor and expanding the family. She says... Nor does uh, Serena Williams care about any reprisals or criticisms that she would get from other parents who've had to do the same thing, telling her to get on with it, get on with it. She says uh, in her column, there is no job in the world created to accommodate mothers and their parenting duties. That You can't argue with that because it's very, very difficult. She says the guilt, juggling and fear of missing out is universal. Serena isn't any different to the rest of us. Now... That's probably the issue that probably is open to uh, interpretation, that she isn't any different to the rest of us. Because, Brenda Power says, pass me the world's smallest violin. She's turning 41, wants to have another baby, complains that giving up her sport uh, to do the physical labours of of expanding the family is not a sacrifice that she'd have to make if she were a guy. All right reasonable enough thing to say well pass me the world's smallest violin it's not as if she's got to pack in the job because she can't afford childcare, or because as the lower earner she's supporting her breadwinning husband who is a tech millionaire um, having a second baby is her choice not her duty says Brenda Power she goes on to say I suspect countless women tolling in unloved poorly paid jobs just to pay the mortgage and the creche would kill for Serena Williams' options. And if this is a cry for their solidarity, then she must be tone deaf. As for the fact that she's the only one in the marriage capable of giving birth, well, that's hardly sexist injustice to be addressed by society. She better take that complaint up with Mother Nature. I just thought it was fantastic to see different, two different uh, opposing views on it. Some, of them, some, of them, some parts of them agree on some aspects. But misogyny actually uh, hasn't gone away and won't go away anytime soon. There's a Crown Paint advert apparently where they sing the advert. <laughs> People are very annoyed about it and find it massively offensive because you have a man and a woman who've hooked up and they're painting the house, right? Uh, and she's pregnant. And the singer in the ad for Crown Paints, um, and they're painting away and 
one of the lines is Hannah's hoping for a girl Dave just hopes that it's his who in their right mind would think that that's a good line to sell paint you'll just annoy people and pee people off big time the suggestion apparently in the ad is that Hannah might not have been faithful (laughs) is there even a need for it and in the woke world that we live in then uh, the fat controller is gone Uh, Thomas the Tank Engine fans went off the rails when they were warned while visiting the tourist attraction that is Thomas the Tank Engine land they were walking around and chatting and at one stage somebody said oh the fat controller and when told please don't use that term it's a slur you must call him by his real name now Sir Topham Hat you're not allowed to call him the fat controller anymore um, and not everybody is uh, you know all lined up and happy with those kind of changes in the world we're living in but a little later on if you thought that rural pubs had the cheapest pints or small ones you'd be wrong they don't it's in the various public bars within the Defence Forces. And there's 45 of them, apparently. So there was this pub above in uh, County Kerry in Kilmacalogue, Helen's Bar, where they were selling pints of stout at €3.90. And everybody was saying, that's got to be the cheapest pint in Ireland. But it's actually the 45 Defence Forces barracks around the country that have the cheapest drink. Now, the public can't go in. The- well, you- well, you can actually go in but only if you're invited by a member of army personnel. But if you're in there, a gin and tonic will set you back €3.10 in the barracks boozers. Um, Bottles of Heineken and Bud, €2.40. Pints of lager for as little as €3.10. And even pints of stout. So a price of a pint of Beamish, (laughs) €2.90. It's like like the prices from the early 80s, for God's sake. Many people shouting and roaring, how can they do it? Well, they operate without needing to make a profit. That's the reason why. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And we're off and running. Can I also say, I mentioned that it's the start of the Westlife weekend and they pay the park tonight and they play the park tomorrow night. I can just let you in on a secret. I have double tickets to give away this morning between now and midday. Maybe if you're a super fan, you already have them. Uh, but maybe others um, might just decide if the tickets were free, they go along. I know they're still on sale. But who turned down free tickets for Westlife? So all that and lots more besides between now and midday. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Joanne, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm good. Uh, more to the point, how are you doing? I think you're just recently, I'm, out, of, I'm recently not, out of prison. I'm not, I'm not too bad. Okay, okay. Uh, what, prompted, what prompted your call? You're looking for some help, is that right? That's right. I'm looking for somewhere that I can actually um, get an address to get paid to someone to stay. I'm only out of prison and I just genuinely want somewhere to stay. Yeah. Uh, so I can get an address somewhere that I can actually um, get paid. Yeah. That's why I'm not in the street. Yeah, I know, I know. When when did you come out of prison? Thursday. Were you in Limerick, was it? That's right, yeah. Okay. Are you okay to talk about that a little as to why you were there? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a test, it was all test. You were what? Test, because I've, I've been homeless, it was over test. Theft, okay. You know, when I was stealing and then coming back in, you know, it was just, I didn't need, I didn't want to do it, I didn't have to, like I didn't need to do it, but I had, to, I had no choice but to do it. And does that happen with a lot of people who are homeless that they're driven uh, to? Yeah, Jesus, oh God, yeah, God, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and is it? It's the, only, it's the only way people can survive. 
And is it ste- is it stealing to sell things on, or is it stealing just yeah, to put clothes yeah. on? It's to sell things on. Either it both. It's a bit both. It's a bit like um, stealing to put clothes in your back, make sure you clean clothes, clean underwear, and then also it's just sell things so that you can eat. You can eat with the food. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's out of sheer necessity that people steal um, to sell on what they steal for money. But what do, what would the money be used for then? Well, to make sure you eat yeah. and somewhere you can go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because without you know? an address, you can't get welfare. No, you can't get welfare. You can't get anything. You can't get nothing at all. Oh. Nothing at all, at all, at all. Particularly in the winter time, no. it's hard on the in the winter time, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard all the time. It's hard all year round. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not nice, especially being a girl. Not that I'm saying any male is different, but it's it's really hard on girls out there today. It is very hard on girls. You don't have to be ashamed to say that. It's very vulnerable no, for girls. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard on lads as well, but yeah. on girls at the moment, it's because there's a fair of being raped, there's a fair of, you, you know. Well, there have been rapes on the street. I'm sure you must have yeah, known some yeah. people who were. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, 100%. Yeah. 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 And have you been without a an actual home for over... Seamus was telling me it was 13 years. years. Why 13 so long? Years, yeah. You sound quite young. What happened? I mean, what can I, you... I, what can you I, 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 can't, I can't exactly tell you over the air what, what the reason is. But for one reason, or I know, because it's, some aspects of your story are protected by court law, so we won't go there. But yeah. for whatever reason, you haven't had your own home in 13 years. No, but no, that, but yeah, yeah. So we won't it's, go in. It's so hard. It's hard. It's hard to get a house. It's hard to get. Like it, it's just, it's just genuinely very, very hard. Very hard. And I wouldn't be surprised in that length of time, twelve or thirteen years, that maybe there were a couple of issues with substance abuse. Was there? No, there was. There was substance abuse as well. Um, it's, it's just very, very hard. It's just extremely hard out there trying to get to, to, to cope, and then you try to like people are out there and they're. They're just—they're just doing their best, and people, that's why people turn to drugs. I know, and I've said it a million times, and I think people understand as well. If you had a decade, ten or twelve or thirteen years on the street, who could blame you or point a finger if you drank too much? Or uh, and I, I, think, do, I don't want to be like that. I know, no, no. You're tired you of know? it. You're tired of it. I'm done. I'm sick. No, I'm done. I'm, I'm almost at my end. My age, which I really am. Yeah, you know. Hang in there, girl. You know, hang in there. What was what was jail like? Oh, jail is tough. Jail is tough. At least you have the dinner, and at least you have some sleep at night. And what's you tough know? in the sense that you're incarcerated and locked up and can't come and go as you please? What do you mean by tough? It's tough. It's tough. You know, you get one phone call a day, and you, you know, it's, it's it's just tough. It's just it's mentally, mentally, just mentally. Yeah. Talk. Did you get any help with anything when you were in there with regards to, say, the drink or, or the cocaine or somewhere to live? No. Did you do any course? No. Did you try and better yourself? I education? did childcare courses and stuff like that down there, but look, I did a childcare course down there and I still got no um, cert. Even though I promised the cert, I just didn't get it. Would there be an issue with the fact that you'd have a prison record, is it? No, it'd be nothing like that. It'd be just I did a childcare course down there. But you'd like to work? Oh God, I'm a hairdresser by trade. Yeah. Oh my God. By trade, I'm a hairdresser, and I just can't get anything for it. Like, so you're only you know? ju- you're only just out. You're only just hitting the ground running now. It's only a few days. 
But would the days be very long? Would one day be like the next day in jail? In the sense, how would you occupy your time? You don't, because when school is over, outside here, school is over in there as well. Yeah. So what is it? Just you know, like uh, just chatting with other inmates, could, watching television, listening to a bit of that's music, all. reading books. You, you don't really get that. You just literally sit down. You're locked back. Well, 16 hours a day, you're locked back. 19 hours, actually, sorry. What does 19 you know, hours locked back mean? What's that? Like you're locked back in the cell for 19 hours a day. And are there others in the cell with you? Yeah, there's one other person in the cell with you, but look, would you get on with that person? I'm not sure you don't, but I was lucky to have to get on with most people. Could you imagine if you didn't get on with the person in the cell I with know. you? I know. I've seen, I've seen it happen. I've seen that happen, and it's not the best thing to happen, is it? So in, in prison for theft, for shoplifting, because you're homeless, uh, some yeah. to feed a habit, some to sell on just to get money to survive, you get nine months in Limerick prison and you're locked up for 19 hours of the 24 every day. That's it, yeah. yeah. How did that, did, did that seem fair to you? No, it's not fair. No, it's not fair at all. But I mean, when you do wrong, obviously you need to be punished and, you know, I got my punishment and I've done it and people don't forget, like people throw it in your face because, oh, look at what you've done, look what you've done, look what you've done and then it's like, oh, but you, you know, I've done my, my time. Yeah, yeah. And, People don't see it like that still. You don't intend to be going back there anytime soon? No. Yeah. Oh, God, no. God, no. So you're, so you're out now. But when yes. you come out, I thought that all prisoners upon release must have an address to go to. No? No, what it is, when you finish your sentence, you can do whatever you have to do. You can just, just leave. With nowhere to go. Okay. No, where'd okay. you go? There's no help or support. There's no help or support to given to a prisoner coming out of jail with regards to where they're going to stay that night or the next week or month or anything. No. They're not bothered. Okay. Okay. They're not bothered. They're really, really not bothered. No. Once your time is up, it's, it's nothing you can do. Only just genuinely just get up and go. Were you relieved to be out? Sorry. Were you relieved to come I out? I was nervous, to be honest. Why? I genuinely was nervous. I was nervous enough for what? Nervous what? Why? Nervous because I was in there for so long. I was in there for so long, I think, that I was just nervous to come out myself. Did you find it strange when you came out? Um, I find it tough now, yeah? Because I'm so used to, like, you know, just... Just having so much to go and something to do, and you know, having people to talk to down there and all that. But in jail, yeah, you have you know, the set routine, yeah. yeah. Um, and are you back on the streets again now? Yeah, that's right. I'm up my aunt so here as we speak. I'm here, my aunt, but I'm I'm not going to stay here because at the end of the day, it's it's just no room for me. Okay, I've heard that many times. The just house just isn't big enough. Too many people. Short-term solution. Long-term, you need to fix it. Have you been on to City Hall? I mean, have you... You're, you should register as homeless. Have you done that? I've done all that. Okay. I've done all that. I've tried. I've done everything that I can in my power. But if you register as homeless, do they not offer, not offer you bed and breakfast or a hostel or an option to go to Simon or... A B and B. You have to be on the streets for four or five days before you even get in the night line. 
before you get into Nightline and Simon, four or five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sitting outside. It's just, it's just no good. It's just, it's just no good. You know. Yeah. So you're looking for help with regards to um, getting an address. Is it? An address and someone to stay. Yeah. Basically, someone to stay. And without going into it, there's no way that any family can help in any way, shape, or form. The simple no, answer to no. that is no. Okay. I've asked and I've tried. Okay, and the answer they, is no. And they wish they could, trust me, they really, really wish they could, but they can't. Okay, I won't say, any, I won't say any more than that, but I know there will be people listening who will say, surely be to God, someone you know somewhere could put a roof over your head, but you've tried. Yes, but I've tried everything. I've tried everywhere. And it's just it's just one of those things. It's just it's just one of those things that make it but I have family and I, they have kids and they've grandkids and everything else and they just there is just no room for me and I can't expect somebody to put their grandkids out in the road so that I could stay. You and know you're I mean? all alone in the world then, are you? I'm on my own, yeah, and I've never felt so alone in my life. I know. And you don't want to go back to that old life that you had on the streets no, with the drink not. and I the cocaine and the drugs. No. Yeah. You don't Far from it. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe that our own people, many people, are living on our streets um, as ho- as homeless. And she the best the know. best option is a night bed in Simon, isn't it? And all it is is a nighttime thing, and it's just that that thing can't even happen, you know. Okay. okay. But can't. you have. But I just want to be sure you have registered as homeless. I'm homeless. I'm registered as homeless. I'm down to the city hall. Okay. I'm, I've done everything that I need to do. Okay. And I still can't get anything. Okay, because we, we, I think we were in touch with them and, and, and they were advising that that's what you should do, but you're saying you've done that already. It's all done. It's all done. And if you had an address in summer to stay, you would be able to apply for welfare, wouldn't you? Of course I would, yeah. And if you had somewhere to stay, you'd be able to get your act together and perhaps go back hairdressing. And that's it, exactly. That's all I want to do. Do you want to go back hairdressing? That's all I want to do, yeah. I, I'd love to go back there. I've been here just in 20 years next year and, you know. But when you lost your place and kind of lost your way a bit, you lost the job, did you? I lost a lot. I lost everything. Okay. So you're hoping I've that. Lost a lot. Yeah, I know. Uh, you have uh, a lot of which I can't go into, but you've had a lot of tragedy in your life. You have. You have. Mm-hmm. And you're just wondering if there's anybody out there that might be in any way in a position to be able to help you out. Isn't it simple as that? I'd be more than grateful. All right. Okay. Listen, um, let's see what happens. Maybe somebody will want to help. Maybe there's a good Samaritan that might come to your aid. Let's see, Joanne. I'd encourage them if they want to help to get in touch. All right. Thank you so very much, Neil. Stay in touch yourself. Let me know how things go for you. All right. You're not, you're not in need of anything. You're, you're okay in, you know, in general with regards to clothing and things like that. No, I could, I could do it. I could do it. I need everything to be quite honest with you. I, I have nothing. No money, no clothes, nothing. Mm-hmm. Good God. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe we might be able to cobble something together for you. You never know. People might want to help. You sound very genuine to me, and I think you are, aren't you, Joanne? Uh, no, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be coming uh, on the phone and on the radio. It's not around me. You want an opportunity to turn your life around. That's what I feel. That's all I want to do for years. And we all need a little bit of help in that regard from time to time. You know? 
Maybe this will be. Yeah, yeah. It is like it. That's all I ever want to do. I just want to get my stuff, my stuff together. And maybe this might be your time to turn it around with the help of maybe some good Cork people who might text 0868104106 if they want to help. Stay in touch, Joanne. I'll be back to you if I have an update. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nate. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. I think Joanne's story is, uh, it's a story on a lot of different levels. Somebody looking for an address, looking for a home or looking for help. But it also talks about, at length there in my conversation with her, about life in prison and what it's like when you come out of prison, when you're a woman who comes out of prison where the services aren't there and you literally walk out the door with uh, nowhere to go. Uh, just staying on that, um, there are some shocking statistics here on Side, which were released by a Threshold during the week with the amount of uh, people who um, uh, are looking for a home or the amount of rental properties that are available. Let me just jump straight into that because um, the CEO of Threshold is John Mark Cafferty. McCafferty. He doesn't have a whole lot of time, so I use the time wisely. John, good morning. Good morning, Tini. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, now, I don't know how much of that you heard, but it could well be deemed yeah. in many regards typical of what people are going through, particularly here in Cork. We got some statistics during the week where they were saying that here on Leaside, uh, not to mention the nearly 100 uh, derelict sites that are on the Cork City Council register, there are 587 void social housing units in Cork City Council stock. These are homes that could be used and aren't. But your statistics were quite shocking uh, with regards to rent across the country, uh, particularly here in Cork. And it only seems to be going one way, and that's up, right? Unfortunately, and you know, we are tasked as the, the national housing charity um, responsible for the private rented sector. Yeah, you represent an arbitrate on behalf of rental tenants as well, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. We advise them and we also can represent them on their behalf of things like the residential tenancies boards, heatings and, and, and things like that. And we also um, are, are tasked to, to, pr- to protect tenancies and to prevent homelessness. So obviously, you know, it's very shocking to to, um, witness a day in, daily um, situation facing a lot of renters who come to us um, in Cork and uh, across, you know, Cork and Kerry um, and across the the, the country in relation to the number of tenancy terminations that are happening. And these are, many of them are legitimate tenancy terminations due to, say, the landlord selling up and and, and perhaps leaving the market. Um, And that's in the context of, as we saw with the the draft and the RTB reports, you know, historic highs in, in the levels of rent being asked. And then historic lows in terms of the amount of property that's available so that when someone is faced with an eviction, you know, five or five years ago, okay, there was, there was a high level of evictions. It was really, really challenging, but at least there were, there were more options for, for families and individuals to kind of move to other, mm. other places. Now there's just so little there. You know, you look at that, there's, there's, there are so few properties available to rent um, in Cork that. Do you, um, I have the figure. Do you know the off. figure, John? It's. 36 houses for rent in Cork City right now. 36. Shocking. And 700 shocking. across the country. Yeah, so I mean, we, I don't think we've, we've ever had so few rental um, uh, houses available in the kind of modern era. Um, and it means that renters are in such a vulnerable predicament because um, they have no bargaining power. They know that they can't shop around. Um, they know that there, is, there are few or no alternatives if um, a landlord's increasing um, a rent illegally, for example, or um, you know, uh, they, or if they're kind of faced with um, a, a notice of, of termination, they just don't have the options. And, and, and there's a lot of people, I suppose, you, you get asked, um, 
that woman there in, in the piece that, that um, Joanne, whether yeah. or not she had kind of free yeah, Joanne um, whether she had friends or family that she could fall back on and there are a group there uh, of people who are if you like hidden homeless that have left the private rented sector they've been evicted maybe due to sale or a, a, a landlord's family member moving into the, the property and, and they are couch surfing um, they're staying you know are moving around friends and family and they're not captured by those I know one of the one of the big statistics that Threshold have released here in Cork right and you touched on it nearly 70% of rent increases that you reviewed were found to be invalid landlords trying it on is it yeah, I mean, not all landlords try it on. No, but, but you I said mean, that nearly 67% yeah, of them. Absolutely. No, in, in, in the majority of those cases, landlords were trying it on. Absolutely, you know. And and you know what? Landlords were trying it on in the knowledge, and a lot of them are doing it in the knowledge that there's such an abject lack of supply. And they, they know that they've got renters over a barrel. And that is the, that's the, the absolute injustice of it. What can, what can a renter do? I mean, they can pick up the phone and call Threshold, I guess. But you guys must be swamped. What can they do if they've got a landlord, he or she, that's saying, I want another 50 a week or else? Well, I mean, they have laws and protections. So, it, it, you know, if those um, rents, rent increases are above the rent pressure zone, increases of 2% uh, percent per year, that can be challenged. So at least... You know, the rent reviews can be uh, challenged um, by us and, uh, and at the Residential Tenancies Board. So renters have rights. It might not feel like that right now because there's such a, a lack of supply, because rents are so high and because there's that sense of powerlessness. But I suppose our role is to uh, ensure that, you know, renters and, and their families have as much power as they possibly have within, they, they can within the Absolutely. rent, within the law. Well, it's bad enough and as it so, is. It'd be a hell of a lot worse yeah. without you. And you are re, you're directing families now to St. Vincent de Paul, to Penny Dinners for help and inter... Yeah, I mean, we, we'd work closely direction. with the Society of Vincent de Paul in relation to, you know, you know we, we specialise in, in, in uh, obviously, re- the rental sector and rental law. And the Society of Sons in Nepal, you know, obviously specialises in kind of you know, immediate welfare. So there's a good kind of positive relationship and complementary relationship between the two organisations, very strong in, in Cork, for example. Um, so that's what we do. We work jointly with other um, uh, charities and other non-governmental organisations. And we, we obviously, um, uh, we advocate to government in relation to what we see on the ground in terms of advice. I know, I know. But 587 void social housing units on the stock of Cork City Council. I mean, that's disgraceful. Yeah, it's... Um, I. I don't understand why there are so many local authority voids I, 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 across the country. I, I, can't, I, I can't understand why there's such a lag given the level of demand. Um, and, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes, you know, do, do we almost need kind of an agency that's going to look at specifically a, a housing provision? Um, and, and really kind of get, get, get tough on uh, well, it, making yeah. sure the people are allocated. Yeah, it's not, it's not that 587 homes would solve the problem in Cork, but it, from an optical point of view, it doesn't show a whole lot of commitment really, does it, to change or well, to fix it? I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure the individuals are doing, doing their very best, but I think there's probably some uh, restructuring that needs to take place um, and, and, you know, so that we, we have the most optimum uh, and the most effective kind of housing delivery system that we possibly uh, can have across the country uh, and at local level. 
And and the issue of voids is is an ongoing issue, as is the issue of of, of, of vacant houses generally. Yeah. Um. So yeah. you know, I guess it's there's no one silver bullet here, but there's a whole uh, raft of, of of measures that can be taken. Isn't it isn't it extraordinary then when you look at say for instance some of the northwest counties and the recent report by Daft where there were you know you get a month's rent in different counties in Ireland, some in the Midlands, up in the northwest as well, like for eight nine hundred euro a month, whereas Cork City then God knows what. Dublin is. Cork City is 1670 a month and across the county just under 1300 a month. Well, why is there such a disparity between the counties, do you know? I guess it's because of kind of the salary levels and the, the, the local economies. I mean, uh, you know, places like Donegal, Leitrim and Longford, they have their own issues in the sense that, you know, incomes are generally lower, but right. they're seeing big hikes in the rents because they're not covered by the rent pressure zones. Now, I know it's really challenging in Cork, but there's been some level of rent moderation, albeit from a much higher base. But at the same time, yes, it's it's very, very difficult. If you're on a low income and, and you're faced with even a 2% increase, that's a 2% increase on what's already uh, generally, a, usually a very high uh, level of rent. So, but isn't it true that you know, year on year it's up nearly t- nearly 12% in Cork, isn't it? Yeah, and like that—that's a huge imposition on any family, especially when you look at the whole cost of living area with the energy energy uh, price increases. And we are going to see a very, very challenging winter um, in terms of just general inflation, but more specifically, um, rents and, and and energy bills as they come in as they fall due in autumn. So we will be doing. You know, we're working more intensively with the likes of the, the societies in Paul and others in, in assisting people and maps. And just finally, because I know you, you have another point, but, but during the week then we heard of Leo Varadkar saying they're contemplating giving tax breaks to landlords to try and keep them within the rental sector because landlords are leaving and selling up because I guess the price of property to sell now is very, very high. They can go to good, they can go to good, get a good sale price, is it? Yeah, I mean, we are seeing landlords sell up. We are seeing landlords leaving the market and... Um, you know, I, I think we need to, to, to think uh, the unthinkable in some ways in, in terms of kind of looking at the rent regime for smaller landlords to try and incentivize them to stay in in the sector because the vast majority of people, especially um, you know people on middle and lower incomes, rely on smaller landlords for for housing. And if they're leaving wholesale, that that has and we, we see it now a huge impact, huge negative consequences for those families, those communities. And if there are ways in which we can kind of um, tweak or, or, or moderate the current tax regime for smaller landlords, then let's look at that and let's let's uh, look at. Budget twenty twenty three as as a means for 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 doing that, but it's almost uh, saying they have us over a barrel, isn't it? Well, I mean, I suppose government policy over the last what, you know uh, thirty five years has been predicated on the private rented sector and um, providing um, a large portion of, of of housing for people who can't afford. Um, owner occupation um, and uh, because we haven't been building the social housing units since the 80s to the to the level that we, we really should have. Now I know a lot is coming on stream now, you've got the likes of cost rental, but those volumes are still quite low and, and therefore um, you know the, the private rented sector has been housing people, has grown 
but now we're in this kind of situation where, yes, um, uh, people on middle to lower incomes really are dependent on those smaller landlords to provide, to provide that housing. That gives yeah. those smaller yeah. landlords yeah. a level of power. Okay. Um, and, and I suppose we are there to try and redress that, to try and kind of advise people and, and, and you know, assert those rights for, for tenants who are struggling. And on it. top of that, then, when we hear of job announcements, um, you know, I shudder when I hear of somebody says, great, OK, 200 jobs here and another 400 jobs here and a lot of companies in Cork are expanding. But I wonder if it's a migrant labour where they're coming in from overseas, that's, that's compounding the problem, isn't it? Where are they going to live? Well, new, new jobs are really welcome. Foreign direct investment, obviously. Absolutely, really welcome, but, but it comes at a price then, and that's housing. Yeah, there is, yeah, there's the unintended consequence of that economic prosperity. And if we're not, I suppose we, we generally don't plan for the, for the economic prosperity on the social and economic side. You know, we need to get our social and economic infrastructure right, whether that's housing, public transport, health. And, and right now, we're really at the thin end of the wedge in terms of housing provision um, <sighs> as, as we continue kind of economic growth. I know. Listen, I'll let you get on. Thanks for taking time out this morning, John. I do appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Neil. As always, that's CEO Threshold, John Mark McCafferty. Uh, in fairness to them, they did a fairly deep dive into rent review cases in Cork and they found that the ones they looked at, nearly 70% of them uh, were invalid. The request by the landlord for a rent increase. And Threshold, if nothing else this morning, Threshold are urging anyone in Cork who's been asked to pay increased rent to contact Threshold. And you can Google all of the different ways of getting in touch with Threshold and I'll give you uh, a website and indeed a pen, or sorry, a phone number if you want to grab pen and paper after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, the uh, web address is very straightforward. www.threshold.ie and they have a Cork number. I believe they're on the mail and their Cork number is 021-427-8848. You may be sitting listening to me with the landlord telling you they want a substantial rent increase and you might need advice on it as to whether it is legal. Uh, it may not be fair and right, but it's a difference with whether it's legal or illegal. So you might want to get the advice of Threshold 021-427-8848. Listen, it's Friday nonetheless, and it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. And I'm delighted that during the week, Roosters came on board to sort out an extra feed for the workers above in Capwell at Bosseran. And they sent in some great photographs of a big feast of food upon the table and all the happy workers around us. So that was that was great news, a good result there. Uh, so this uh, Friday, your opportunity to scoop lunch for up to 15 of you. Text who you are to 0868-104-106. We'll have starters, main courses and desserts and I'll tell you more about the food after 10. But we will do the first bunch of shout-outs around about 20 past 10. So who you are and where you are, text 086-8104-106. This will easily feed 15 of you, perhaps more. It's a great munch and a lovely way to start the weekend. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just a quick call this side uh, of 10 because I ran out of time yesterday morning. We were talking about sport and we were talking about the transgender community um, and there was a big response to that actually. It all started, started with from the background of, uh, of the IRFU. Uh, Dan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are not, you? I'm not so sure how much time I have this side of 10, but I'm happy to give you an opportunity to make your own point. So what is it? What's, what's, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, I just I read through the statement and I just, I felt that, you know, whoever put it together was very much coming at it from from one side. I, I, I think it could have been it could have been worded better. It was the IRFU said that, that they weren't allowing transgender because of uh, the strength uh, stamina and physique 
by being born a man and transitioning to a woman that it would be and unfair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that is a, that is that is a fair statement to make. As I said, you know, the, you can have whatever opinions you have on it. Trans women are women, and biological women are women, but trans women and biological women are not the same, and that's just a fact. That is, just, it is what it is. So, you know, and I know it affects. I mean, as little as eight people or, you know, across the country. But, you know, as we move forward, it's better to have these these rules in place right now. But No, I don't even know if a trans person would say that a biologically born woman and a trans woman are different. They possibly would agree with that. But still, they're entitled to transition and change and live their life as they wish, surely be to God. Absolutely. But see, this is, this is where this argument and all this animosity and friction is coming from as well as you'll have a lot of rational people who will agree with that, but an awful lot of the activists are perfectly happy to say that there is no difference. We need activists, Dan. Nothing will ever get done or change without them. But if the activists are actually causing more friction between the trans community and the straight community and problems within the LGBTQ community, then what good is that for anybody? But they have to have someone to represent them, surely be God. Well, exactly. But the, the the point is that if you have activism, you know, it it only works. You know, the, the trans community in Ireland is a very very small community, and making enemies, you you need you need people on your side. You need allies. And if you're alienating yourself with rhetoric that is counterintuitive, then you're 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 putting yourself into a dangerous position, where you know anything that you say is immediately disregarded. Well, people are entitled to their opinion and to, within reason, obviously, to say how they feel, you know, on both sides. You, uh, you I want to give people to an your op- opinion, yeah, but okay. you're not entitled to your own facts. Okay. Well, well, how how would you, how do, how do we how do we fix this? Well, you know, the, the 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 trans community in sport isn't big enough to have their own, you know, individual leagues or individual, you know, separations. I. I, I don't think right now there is a, a good solution. To be perfectly frank, I don't think there is a good solution. Um, I, I, t- I took more, I took less offence to the idea of trans people in sports and more kind of you know issue with the way that the, the hellhounds uh, and that was what the, what my comment that was it was it was more an issue with the way that they worded their statement. I think the IRFU have made you know the best call they can make with the information that they have. This has uh, also happened in the UK. It's also a big raging topic in America and they are now suggesting as well that other huge. codes in Ireland are going to look at it too. And, and, and it's something that does need to be looked at. Okay. It is, you know, if we're going to be inclusive, we have to do it in a way that makes logical sense and that is correct and takes the safety and consideration of all other sporting participants into consideration. Okay, good points. We- Thanks for that. Much obliged, Dan. I'm going to plough on if you don't mind, but thanks for getting in touch. Your calls are welcome, as always, on 0818 We're back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM. I did promise uh, that I'd come back because I was inside in town yesterday afternoon and people were talking about the state of the city and what have you, and unfortunately all of the planter boxes, they're all redone, repaired and replanted. I had a good walk around the city centre yesterday. Great buzz, lovely sunshine, very busy, lots of people out. Look great to me, I have to say, uh, everybody in great form. Load of alfresco dining going on uh, across lunchtime and into the early afternoon, people eating outdoors 
outdoors, people were having pints outdoors, people were having coffee and sandwiches, and everywhere seemed to be quite busy. They seemed, everyone seemed to be in a, a really good trade. And I actually did some, for the first time in a long time, I, sh- I shopped in a supermarket in, in the city, so I had a bit of shopping to do for myself from my dad and stuff, so I shopped in Lidl on, on, on the Cole Quay. Cole Quay was looking great, nice and sunny, and everybody was out, and shops were busy and looked good. Down around Oliver Plunker Street and over to Patrick Street. With the sunshine and everything, that actually I was in Hanley's yesterday doing a bit of, few bits and pieces, and I was talking earlier on this morning about trying to get shade and looking after yourself in the sun, uh, and uh, they got so much there with regards to uh, what you might need across. Some, a lot of it you might have bought, but if you're short on things like um, bases and parasols and all sorts of different multicolored things to keep the sun off the top of your head, uh, then Hanley's is the place to be. Uh, I also noticed a fabulous thing there called um, a hammock. I would love one of those. You know the hammocks that you just sit into and you bam out, you can swing from left to right. Um, there would be many summers we wouldn't get use of a hammock, but certainly this summer you would. Now, thank you so much to uh, Catherine, Catherine Gini who got in touch from Nakraha. Uh, it's lovely when people come back and say thank you because we're giving away loads and loads and loads of different um, tourist attraction passes uh, and she won and headed off down to Michael Collins' house. She said, we had a wonderful day, well worth the visit. Cal McCarthy that works there had plenty of extra information. He's a book of knowledge. Keep up the good work. Keep giving away the passes. They are so important. So that's lovely and thank you for coming back to me, Catherine. I do appreciate it. And then I got another one, that lovely card actually then, uh, also from Niall um, to, well actually that's it's, it's the same people who sent a lovely greeting from, from West Cork card, so thank you for that. We will have more of those uh, family passes to give away across the morning uh, to take yourself off to a tourist attraction. On top of that, it's a free food Friday, so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and if that wasn't enough for you, as well as that then, Westlife tickets. So you're listening out for a Westlife song sometime between now and midday uh, and we have tickets for tomorrow night's gig for that. But I have another set of tickets to give away for tonight's gig. Okay, so if you're a Westlife fan, you want to go and you haven't got tickets yet, all that will happen between now and midday today. But talking of music, I do love to big up local talent. And my sister in Australia, Barbara, recently said to me, have you heard of a Cork guy called Kean Ducrow? And I said, no. And she said, you need to check him out. He is absolutely flying internationally. Um, and he's one of these people that's on a watch list, artists to watch. Uh, so I did check him out. And he's a 24-year-old lad called Kean de Crow. He's Cork-born, half French, half French, but he's London-based now. Grew up in Passage West, loved music. I was looking at his bio. It says his single mother, Sabine, who currently teaches piano and flute at the MTU Cork School of Music, Probably the woman who instilled a love of music into him. Piano, violin, percussion, guitar, flute. He's a seriously talented guy. Uh, He's got an album out um, and a lot of his songs garner huge amounts of hits on the likes of Spotify and what have you. Um, Four million views recently for a bit that he did on The Tonight Show. Yeah, The Tonight Show in the USA. So he's announced a number of his own UK and Irish dates and plays uh, Cypress Avenue on September 28th. I won't tell you any more about the guy because his music and his talent really speaks for itself. So originally from Passage West, flying now internationally um, and uh, London-based, Kean de Crow. Roll over, but it's empty. I was just to tell you he loves you. Incredible. 
Respect is all I have. Absolute respect. Kian Ducrow, Cork born, flying internationally. We should be well proud of him. We really should. And so should his ma'am, but I'm sure that she is. Well done, Sabine. You got some young fella there with some amazing talent. And he plays Cypress Avenue September 28th. I love featuring Cork talent. There's so much of it. Kian Ducrow, right in there. Back after the break, we've got Free Fruit Friday shout outs and lots more next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. I love that text. Wow, goosebumps. What a voice. Have to download his album. Well done, that man from Passage West. Kian Ducrow. Yeah, the album and the song is. The it was like a debut EP called Make Believe and the song that I played for you is called All For You Free Food Friday shout outs then courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Perry Perry to Laura works for Cladera for Rockwell Engineering in the Insulation Workshop in Clawheen good morning to all at Tuslets in Finbar's Hospital Smurfit Kappa would love lunch Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormac Blockwall Developments in Ballinglana Leisure World in Churchfield are listening Castle Point Boatyard in Crosshaven Impact Ireland Metals in Glanmire would love some food for the sales and warehouse staff. Everybody at Broderick's Chemist in Barrick Street, EMH Technical Services on the Glasheen Road, ECI JCB in Carrick Tool, uh, Easy Living Interiors. Good morning to everybody at the Clothes Horse, Dry Cleaners in Carrick Tool and Castle Martyr, Lehan Motors in the Airport Road, Feelings uh, on Baker's Road, who are battling through the sunny days indoors and would love some lunch. They'd share it with, the, oh no, they're looking after the lovely people of Gronabraher. I thought for a moment they would share it with the lovely people of Gronabraher. Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road Brothers of Charity Day Staff What else have I got for you? AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower Cork Harbour Boat Hire and Cove Capital Hair and Beauty on the Kinsale Road John Clare's on Oliver Plunkett Street uh, Red Fox Recycling and Churchfield Women's Health Centre Building in the Matter Private House of Hair and Kinsale North, uh, What have I got? Uh, Euro Car Parts uh, would love feeding as well today. So I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, keep your shout-outs coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 106 and we'll do more shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. A lot of calls and tales. Come back to it in a few minutes' time. Do you remember I was talking earlier in the week uh, for people who like to go and get an old fishing rod and go out and try and catch some mackerel? <sighs> been told by those that do that there ain't any around. But I just want to go back to that story, actually, because Derek has a, an interesting story to say to tell us. He's been fishing all his life from a child upwards. Derek, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Where would you go? Like Crosser, Kinsale, Ballycotton, Yall, I think you were saying, was it? Everywhere, Neil. I, I, I fish all over Ireland, but mostly for mackerel. I'm li- actually living in Carrigaline, but Church Bay, Ballycotton, Yall, Robbers Cove, Passage, Ross Carberry, Kinsale. Wow. Wow, Everywhere. wow, wow. Um, and down I through the know- years from a Sorry. child, were they very plentiful? Um. Literally, Niall, if, if you fell off the pier inside in Fort Camden, when Fort Camden was open to the public, there was a, the slew mirror were actually in charge, but then, no, that's, that's going back a long yeah, time, Niall. Yeah. If you fell into the water, you wouldn't sink. <laughs> there were so many splash and mackerel underneath you. Like Jesus that's walking on the water. <laughs> that's a fact. And I remember kids being on church band, they used to be scooping up in their buckets and throwing them up on top of the Oh floor. my God. I remember it as but a kid down Ballycotton off the pier, for instance. That's what I'm saying. Even Ballycotton, there was a gentleman there. He was a, he was, he was a first cousin of my father. His name was Tommy Sliney. He had a donkey and he used to sell, he used to sell the mackerel from, from the, the basket on the donkey. And like I say, it brings back so many memories to me. And I've been fishing on Nile and... Mackerel fishing just for the last three years in a sense that I've done it all my life, but for the last three years, it has been absolutely 
appalling. You said that for the last three years you haven't caught a single mackerel. A single, a single mackerel. I was in Church Bay last night and there was 10 or 12 fellas fishing around myself now. You know people who can who can fish because some people literally just, you know, are only throwing the rod out 20 yards, but these fellas could throw it out 100 yards, 200 yards. There was oh, no problem. Could somebody, really th- could somebody really throw a cast 100 or 200 yards? Yeah? No problem. If you have a four-ounce lead or a three-ounce lead nylon and you have a, a strong rod and a lot of nylon on your reel, you will be able to throw it that distance. Good no God. problem. And they were catching nothing at that distance. Uh, I tell an oil, I was there from half past two and my wife was working so I had to come home at, at seven o'clock and I didn't meet a single fish and I was talking to the lads below there not one of them there was one chap on Pollock and that was it and I'd been gone down there now for the last three weeks and not a single and in fish. the old days you could bring bags and buckets of them home Bags and buckets of them, Niall. And, and I'll be honest about it, it's the way it's the way it's the way the world is is going, Niall. These these fish finders that that, that the trawlers have, and like I say, the um, sonar systems—they can do everything and anything to find out where the fish. They're are. like super boats, aren't they? A lot of them. I was looking on on, on radar there recently. Trawlers. There's a huge amount of big, huge fishing trawlers off. I don't know whether they're in Irish waters or not. Some of them look to me as if they were actually, but they're certainly out there from France and Spain. Loads of them. Yeah, and some of them actually dock outside in in the bay in Castletown Bay. That's probably and why the they're in Irish waters. They're probably coming to and port or whatever. Yeah, yeah. they're coming to port there, and, and we're we're taking fish from the sea now faster than the fish population can reproduce itself. So they're hoovering everything is, up, and these huge nets include. So is is it a shortage of mackerel, or is it that the sprats aren't coming into the coast? Which do you think? Well, well, I'd be honest, Niall. I was there yesterday, you know, like I say, and being an old timer, I'd be watching out for signs. And 99 times over 100, if there was sprats in the harbour, you'd see the gulls diving off all around Roaches Point, Grab All, Church Bay, the Bullrock. There wasn't a single gull diving below there. Yeah, you really have made some so super was, observations in fairness. So there was no, there was no sprat there whatsoever. And I was in Kinsale the week before. I was in Ballycotton. I was in Carroll's Cove below in Pantlesilla last week and usually when I'm, I go away with, with my wife, I bring my fishing rod with me and I fish there for two. Not, as I am telling now, Neil, I am absolutely I know. I know. devastated I know. because it's, it, 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 it's, it's something that, that, I, that I, I'll always remember and I have my grandchild on the way and I wanted to bring him in, into the world and maybe he'll go fishing, but... There's, there's nothing you'll hardly night. you'll hardly um, pique his interest if you take him fishing as a small fool and he's catching nothing. I mean, nothing. That, I mean that nothing. probably will impact on the sale of rods and everything, won't it? Well, do you know what? No, I was I, I was I was actually ta- talking to George O'Connell inside Murray's fishing tackle shop, and I was we were just chatting in general, and he said the sales from German sprats and feathers and and rods, he said, is absolutely. Terrible. Yeah. Is there any? Is there any wonder? And would this be peak season for mackerel now? This time of the year, normally. This, this would. This would be peak season. Oh, especially when the water get warm, gets warm. 
the spat comes into the show and then the mackerel follow them and then the bigger predators follow the mackerel or something, yeah, the shark and things yeah. like that. But like I say, at the moment, but even the spats have been taken as well. Now, in the know, nets, they're, they're, everything's they're, been hoovered they're, up. They're, harv- they're harvesting the spat as well. And it's frightening, Niall, yeah. to say that you can't go down off your own coast and, and not catch a fish on the shore. Yeah, the lads were telling me the same thing when they were going out in the ferry boats. A lot of the time when they're bringing people out to Skelligs, they'd bring rods with them and they'd catch mackerel. And a lot yeah. of them haven't bothered anymore now because they're sitting there catching nothing off the Skelligs. There's just no, nothing. No, I'll be honest. I met, I met a few boats coming into Crosshaven Pier. Now, these are only boats that may might go maybe half a mile beyond Roaches Point. And I was talking to them and they were getting pollock and they got a few herring, but no mackerel. Yeah, sad. One of the chaps actually had a small little cooker on it. And when people were climbing the skelligs and they get back on his boat, he would cook the mackerel on the boat. It would be delicious. And they'd be eating fresh mackerel cooked on the boat on the way back. It was fabulous. That's right. I I have a little primer stove in my car as well. And that's exactly what I would do if if I got a few fresh mackerel. I'd cut them up and people would come over to me and say, oh my God, that smells lovely. And even all my neighbours while I'm living here, and I, I, there was a gentleman last week, Frank, and he says to me, he said, he said Derek, I'm getting the barbecue ready. I said, thank you, better hold off. I said, because I said, I can't, I can't get fish at the moment. <sighs> I know. And actually, is a mackerel lovely on the barbecue if you cook it in, in a bit of tin foil with maybe a small bit of butter? Absolutely gorgeous. And the, the thing about me, it, 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 it's to get them fresh. A day or a, no, I wouldn't eat them the next day. day. No, no, yeah, yeah, you know, because like I say, and, and, and if even if people went to, to the market and I was inside in, uh, the fish shop inside in Douglas Court last week and I asked the girl inside her and she said they cannot get mackerel. I know, it's so very I sad. Know what, it's very, very sad. I know, I know. Listen, thanks for your observations. Sad and all as it is, no, Derek. No problem, Niall. And one thing that my, 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 my dad said to me years ago since he passed away, he said, God made the earth and man himself will destroy it. And that's what we're doing, Niall, slowly but surely. Yeah. With global warming and... This isn't you know, global warming, though. This is no, overfishing. No, this is overfishing, yeah. but it's still part of the world. Yeah, I know, I know. And man himself will destroy it, and that's exactly what we're doing. Wise words. Listen, thank you. Cheers, Derek. Thank you very much indeed. For your, for your time. You. Take I care, appreciate pal. it. All right, nice back after Love the break. It. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Lots of text, 0868104106, talking about Debenhams on the market for 20 million. It would make a great conference centre. <laughs> I thought we I thought we were going to build one of those. Make a great conference centre. You have all the car parks close by, like Lavitz Key and Merchants Key. So we'll knock it, a he- knock it on the head so over on the South Main Street and just build it in Debenhams. You could well be right. Uh, this country is banjaxed and it's now unlivable for most people. The decision to reuse, reduce taxation will only make our public debt even worse. It's just an attempt by the coalition to buy the next election. Picking up then on COVID payments. Uh, there's a difference between a COVID payment if you're working in the HSC or working privately. HSC are paying. The private ones are much slower. My daughter's a student nurse in the bonds. She got the bonus ages ago. Another one, if the healthcare workers are working for a private company, then it's up to the private companies to give them the bonus, not the HS. You are right. And that's why there's a difference as to who's being paid and who isn't. I worked in the, I work in the Department of Defense as a medic and was deployed to both testing centers and vaccination centers. I even got an internal letter promising this bonus. 
but nothing yet. Don't give out my details for obvious reasons. What about all the bin men out there who are cleaning the country through COVID? Shouldn't we all get a bonus as well? And one more. I also worked in a private care home and the staff have received zero pandemic payment. I emailed them and they said they haven't received any instructions as of yet. So keep those coming. A lot then on uh, issues involving social welfare. We're talking about the 15 euro increase to the dole, for instance, as an example. When talking about the dole, why not tell everyone what everyone else gets, what they also get on the dole, their rent, their fuel, their travel allowance, their medical cards, and a hell of a lot more. Uh, Okay, all right. This government has their priorities all messed up. Uh, They don't drop alcohol prices, drop the tax bans and the price of essentials in the supermarket. I'm a middle-class earner. We're hit for everything in the budgets. But increase the welfare payment. Really? I'm sure everybody else is a soft touch. It's always those on welfare. Which means that there's no real incentive to work. Don't give out my details because I'll be vilified. Can't come on air because I'm busy working today trying to keep my head above water. Morning, I'm shouting at you at the radio, uh, hiking dole payments. Come on, are they having a laugh? The majority are working on the side. Majority of those on the dole are working on the side. Um, They need to get off their asses and get a job. Some pay their taxes and think they're entitled. Uh, I know there are some genuine people, but the majority of them are just scammers. If there was a payment for ratting people out, I'd be a wealthy person. Can't talk at work, paying my taxes, so that the new idle rich can sit around and do nothing. Again, as I said, there are many who do need help, but most of them are sucking the life out of the genuine working people. Uh, There's a lot to be said, actually, for changing the rules when it comes to people who are long-term unemployed. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Lovely day, isn't it? I'm working hard for 40 years in the hotel industry, um, and I feel entitled to everything that I get and earn. Can I just tell you, there is plenty of work out there. Social welfare should offer those on long-term job seekers work. Or cut the money if they refuse. They should have their social cut by 20%. A great show, Neil. Happy August. Um, unemployed for 30 years. How could someone be unemployed for that long if they were looking for work? In Poland, if you're off for six months, that's it. You go back to work. Ireland just encourages people not to work. And one final one now. I'm looking to hear from other preschool assistants. I work in a preschool. I finished on the 30th of June for the summer. As the numbers going to the creche are greatly reduced for six weeks. I'm still waiting for social welfare payment. I'm in arrears with my mortgage. I'm in arrears with bills. Everything is building up. Haven't even gone anywhere with the kids this year. I'm struggling so hard. My work colleagues got theirs and their forms were filled out identically to mine. They kept asking me for more information. How do they expect people to survive without any payment for six weeks across the summer with small children? It's a joke. Interested to see if others are in a similar situation. Perhaps you could ask. Uh, anybody else suffering like that? Text 0868104106. A lot then on pain management and cannabis and issues like that. And I will come back to them. But I just want to get back to the phone lines. It's a busy morning this morning. Frank. Morning, Neil. How are you? Have you found it chaotic inside in town then? It seems to be since they changed the northbound traffic routes in, was it just the last few days, really? I mean, cars, no, no northbound cars, no can cross um, Christiering Bridge. That, I, um, I mean, we were talking about that last week. How else are they supposed to get up to Grawn and Churchfield and places? Well, at the moment, no. Realistically, it will just say, no, if you're on Lavitsky, 
Or we'll just say you get into a taxi on Lavage Key and you want to go to Blackpool. He has to go down as far as the Northgate Bridge and up Shandon up Street. Shandon Street. It'd probably add another, with the traffic, another four or five euros to your fare. Up Shandon but, Street, a fairly tight street in itself. Oh, sure, they're pushing everything up that way. I know it seems at the moment. I mean, I was walking down along the court here, you know, onto Lavisky yesterday, and it was just bumper to bumper on what would traditionally be a quiet enough day, Wednesday, like. Yeah. Um, Thursday. Thursday. But yeah, but could you imagine, you know, if there was one small little accident, we'll say, a small little chip uh, on Pathos Bridge, Lavisky, um you already you, uh, already you, you can't use the likes of Patrick Street in the afternoons. You can't. You can't, you can't you, I mean, if you're in Lavish Key and you want to even go south, right? You can't turn left up Academy Street now because you're not allowed to go into Patrick Street. So this is not, in your opinion, in, increasing or helping traffic flow. You're saying that it actually led to traffic jams on Patrick Street because of it that were never there before. Well, not so much on Patrick Street, I'd say, because, well, if they enforce the traffic regulations that the cars can't go onto Patrick Street, but on the keys, I mean, Camden Kino is, seems to be just chock-a-block because it's gone back to one way, whereas there used to be concert flow with the buses, you know? Um, I don't know, it, it, it just doesn't really make any sense for people living on the north side. You know, what? I mean... Yeah, I know. They're saying it'll improve bus times. I can't see how, you know, because the buses are still... Well, it's not going to improve a bus time if the bus is caught in that traffic jam. And, exactly. And as I said, if there was one that hit the whole city, would just grind to a halt. Okay, all right. Appreciate it. Maybe others Thanks. have uh, opinions on that. Text 0868 You know the Gatso van that's parked inside in the middle of the construction site down in Dunkettle? We got on to all sorts of people with regards to that. We got on to the Garda Shikana and other people like that wondering, was it legal to operate a Gatso van from inside in a construction site? Many people have been sending me photographs of it. Uh, we were in touch and tried to get a response on it. And Garda Shikana said that uh, through their road safety partners, Go Safe. They carry out the functions in accordance with legislation and regulation. Um, and they say, go safe monitoring vehicle at designated approved locations within the roadworks area to enforce the temporary speed limit through the uh, roadworks area has been approved. So it's approved. So for those people taking photographs of that Gatso because it's inside the bollards, inside the barriers, technically actually in the construction area. No rules have been broken there because it has been approved. A lot of people were asking about that. Now you know. Uh, but be aware, there's more of them around than ever now. So you need to, again, the whole story is if you're not speeding, you're not going to be caught. Text 0868104106. Free Food Friday, your opportunity to scoop food courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So what will you get? Well, the starters, chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. The main event, if you're listening for the first time, chicken wraps, chicken pitas and beef burgers. All of the sides, the Piri salted f- fries, the rice and the newest side, the waffle fries. And then you you get to build your own cheesecake with all sorts of different toppings. But you need to text who you are and where you're working. Text 0868 104 106. And we'll do the next bunch of shout outs in about 10 minutes' time. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Ah, yeah, sets of tickets to give away for Westlife this morning. A couple of different sets of a set for tonight and indeed a set for tomorrow night. Now, the first ones I'm going to give away at some stage will be tomorrow night's gig, right? So you're listening out for a Westlife song. I think we'll take caller 29, just instead of nine. We'll just up it a bit, get a bit more excitement going when you hear a Westlife song. There'll be some time between now and midday today. Two sets of them to give away and lots of other gifts and lovely prizes too, so um, hang in there. Oh, you know, we were talking, talking there about a, a week ago about best before dates and I was talking about the difference between a best before date and a used by date and more and more people now are slaves to the date on the product they're eating. Years ago, you didn't have that and you went by smell or indeed taste or how it looked. You use your eyes, you use your nose, you use your your taste buds. But of course now people are slaves to best before and use by. But a number of large supermarket chains are removing the best before dates on some of their products to help reduce food waste rather than dumping stuff because of a date. You know, if it looks fine and it smells fine, taste it. If it's fine, then eat it. If not, I mean, even... Even cheese that's got a bit of mould on it. I cut that off, but who cares about what I do? So, Seamus took to the streets of Cork just to find out how others feel about best before dates, used by dates, and all that kind of palaver. How much is this one? Same price. The yeah. that one. Yeah. 20. Yeah. Give him that one for 10. All right. People are wasting food, throwing out food. Like, uh, especially in the refrigeration game, which I don't do any refrigeration food. Like, but like, if it doesn't smell gone, it's not gone. Like, when we were children, we never had out of date or, you know, short date, dates, like. But uh, there's just so much waste in the world, and even in Ireland specifically, like, you know. It's disgraceful what's been thrown out every week, like, you know. So if it tastes good, smells good, looks good, it's, it's good. good. It's very, very good. And you were never sick over the years because no, of it? No, not once. Never, ever. We've been fed it. I'm 51 years of age. I've been fed it all my life. Because I know Waitrose are doing away with best before and use by dates on quite a number of their products and they're telling people to use their best judgment. Yeah, that's it. And I heard of a judge in France bringing a couple of companies together and telling them that they'd prosecute them if they throw out any more food. That's just happened happening in France. And look, we can give to the homeless, we can give to anyone, you know what I mean? But there's a stigma saying that you can't give it because it's out of date. Yeah. They, should, they should give it, like, you know? But like a lot of your stuff here would be close to... Some, some, some would be, be very close to date. Some, some would be out of date. Two me's lads on the cold day. a couple of days, you know, but all perfect, all very good. And you've been thriving here in two me's three years? 1955. They were across, they had the pub Denny Hayes across the road and they, the, the opportunity came here in 1955 and uh, my grandmother came over here in 1955. My children don't trust me with sell-by dates. They check I, I everything and he throws everything out. I'm sorry. Everything. At the sell-by date, I throw it out. But should I make it a fortune off you? Good. You're asking the right people because we are very careful about them. I'm not. I am. You? Mike you are, Mike. I am. It's a con job. Even if, if, if there was a bottle of beer out of date. Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but alcohol in No. If there's a day, if there's a week out, own drinking. I wouldn't be fussy like that though. I married a Wilson man. <laughs> I mostly use my nose and that's the truth. Or if it looks bad, I just won't use it. But it's mostly I'd smell and if it smells off, I just won't use it. Well, I suppose, I mean, if it's fruit and veg, I suppose you have to work out for yourself. But certainly milk and dairy and stuff, you definitely need to know when it's been made and how how fresh it's going to stay when you buy it. Would you not use your smell or, or, or taste? 
Oh, I certainly would use smell and taste, but I'd still like to have an idea of how fresh it is when I bought it, how long it will last in my fridge. Would you throw food away very easily? No. I usually buy my food, my vegetables and stuff fresh, and I only buy what I know I will use. Other than that, you've thrown it into it. The biggest thing is the milk and the bread. Yeah. I think everyone throws away milk because it gets sour, they don't use it. Ordinary people do their shopping. You get your bag and you look at this cupboard and say, I must get this. You go down to the shop and you buy what you want. Then they'll get the people who have the trolleys. They go in, oh look, there's two of them for that, and there's five of that for that, and they fill their trolley. But that's only going to work if you're going to use them. But that's the point. They don't use them. They throw them away. I know lots of people that throw away food. Yogurts and different things that we get out, throw them away. Cheese, sausages, bread. Do you know another person told me? She said, the rashers, I don't use half of them. I have to throw them away. What's that like? It's like the weird. It's the, 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 the boy. It's, it's stupid. Not, not the, the, like, they take the stuff and they can't use it. Simple as that. I don't know. I think it's important for people to not use food that's gone off. I suppose do that in work anyway and stuff. Should we be day checking? But personally, I had very bad food poisoning a few years ago, so I'd be very conscious of use by dates. You wouldn't use your sense of smell, taste, touch. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, if it was the day of, I'd probably give it an old, an old sniff and see if it's uh, all right to use. But for the most part, I'd say they're probably like guidance as to when to use them. It's not a like set in stone type thing, you know. And would you get rid of stuff religiously then? Or would you uh, hold on to it a bit longer, maybe use eggs six, six weeks past? Uh, not six weeks now. I feel like eggs, you could you could give it an extra week, all right, you know, if you're feeling crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? I don't know, I suppose I used to work in the food, food industry, so I would be quite like hesitant because I've seen food go wrong really quickly. Um, but like that, I suppose at home, when you've paid for it yourself, you do give it a little sniff and see how you get on with it, really. But I don't know, it is more, I would go guidance over strict law of date when I'd use the food. Because Waitrose in the UK are getting rid of use by and sell by dates on some of their products they're telling people oh. use your best judgment. Oh no. No. I wouldn't I wouldn't be okay with that. Like if you were buying it in the shop I'd like to know when it was supposed to be off the shelf like if at home it's a different story when you've paid for it but once you're buying you want the best for your money when you're buying it. First thing. This is your winning Westlife song on your official Westlife concert station, Red FM. Living Marion Duggan. I'm living my best life with Westlife. I bet you are. <laughs> I bet you are, kid. I bet you are. Fair play to you. Well, are you free tomorrow night? Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. It's going to be a hot one in more ways than one down in Parky Queeve tomorrow night. Congratulations. Two tickets for Westlife. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Fair play to you. Who are you going to take with you? Oh, himself. All right. What's this? What's this? Will he want to go, though? Oh, yes. Yes, of course he would. He loves the music. All right. Okay. You'll be a, listen, there's going to be an incredible atmosphere. There's going to be a great buzz down there tonight and tomorrow night. It's great Fantastic. to see these gigs back, isn't it? It's fantastic. It, we've been to the Marquee to see Simply Red a few weeks ago. Oh, so, oh, I was there. Wasn't that some gig? Look, it was our eighth time singing my concert. You are joking me. Eight times singing Hope Not and Simply Red. Yes, yes. 
They put he on is some. Just fantastic. I know it was one of the best gigs I was at in a long, long time. And hopefully tomorrow night we'll live up to the same kind of expectation with Westlife. Hopefully, need hopefully. Ah, uh, you'll have I a great know, time. Yeah. And listen, just Brilliant. be careful because it'll probably be very warm. At least warm, maybe hot. Oh, plenty of factor, hotly, <laughs> whatever. Right. Marianne, delighted for you. Congratulations Thanks, to please. the both of you. Enjoy. All right. Thank you, Neil. Thank All you so the much. the best. Don't worry, lads. I have another set of tickets to give away sometime between now and midday for tonight's gig. These are very nice. These are posh tickets, lads. These are premium level tickets. They really and truly are. So if you're a Westlife fan, there are two gigs, of course. Tomorrow night's tickets I've given away. And sometime between now and midday, I'll give away a set of tickets for tonight's gig. You'll need to pick them up here, though, if you win. So if you're trying to get involved in winning these tickets, you need to get yourself out here today to Red FM to bring them up for tonight's gig. All right. So lots of giveaways, that and lots more besides. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, uh, Blackpool Retail Park and Douglas. So I will uh, do a bunch of shout outs just before midday today, but I don't want to be holding Mick much longer. We're talking about best before dates. Incidentally, that Vox that Seamus did, it started at Peg Toomey's uh, on the Cold K, where you can buy everything from everything at vastly reduced prices. Because a lot of the time, the dates are right up there close to the expiry. But there's nothing wrong with what they sell and they're doing a thriving business there. Mick, good morning. Good morning, how's it going? Fair play to you. I so, you know, go ahead. I was, born, I was born in 1950, right? And we, when you're talking about dates and all the dates and anything like that, but when we got sick there, the mother would go to the cupboard and she'd look for the air special bottle or whatever. And she'd come out and she wouldn't be able to open it because it'd be after crystallising and the top is <laughs> so long in the cupboard. That was probably right. when you were small, the bottle of gripe water. Whatever, I don't think there was gripe water, but <laughs> magnesium, all that stuff, like, you know what I mean? But the stuff growing on she it. Would, she wouldn't be able to open the bottle and she, she put it in the jar and the door. Do you know what they think? Twist the cock. That's the way they used to do it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, there weren't. There wasn't yeah. much carry on about best before dates back in the day, so there wasn't. Not anyway, people hadn't much turned back then, and when when it was there, it was gone straight away. There was no waste on it. Yeah, because people were pinned to their collars, so everything they got, they ate. So that brings back memories to us, and you were like, and that's the way we were. Do you and remember you next door. The one next door? What? Go ahead. You go next door, if, she have, if we had nothing, then she'd go next door, make a sick of such and such a sick there, have you anything there, and you'll get a bit off of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> the medicine might have been out of date, but it was still all used. Oh, yeah, but there was no out of date, see? We just used it on the driveway. Do you remember, you know do you remember the, your first fridge? I do. I, I went to England, I tell you now, I went to England, we lived in Kevin Street there, and I went to England in this late 68. And I came back, right? And it was the first thing I bought my mother when I came back on holidays. I bought my mother's fridge. Ah, and for God's sake. For a long time. And what did she make of the fridge when it arrived into her kitchen? Oh, she couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Because up and until... We had to get a, there, yeah. was a, there was a carpenter up the road and he put it into the pantry. We had a small pantry in Kevin Street. Very tiny. And it was actually like underneath the stairs. And that's where the fridge was. Go away. I'd say right. all the neighbours were in looking at it. Were they, Mick? Well, there was a couple there in a while. They could have been grand job. I mean, if you remember those days, it won't keep you much longer, but the first fridge okay. that came into the house or the first black and white television that came into the house or the first oh, automatic we washing at, machine. 
So we were looking at snow. We got the television with Cavendishes there and we were looking at snow. There was no only only the picture. I think we'd see something. No, no. And we were all going to the one toast dinner. Do you have it? Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, my God, yeah. Cavendishes would, yeah. And, and RTV rentals and all, they'd rent the televisions, That's wasn't right, it, yeah. a couple of bob and a week? Madden's, yeah, the Madden's, Madden's over the bridge. There, I remember the Madden's, yeah, and Hennessy's did yeah. it as well, remember? That's right, yeah, yeah. Happy yeah, days. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the first fridge because up until then, of course, everything, including the milk, was kept in the cupboard. But you wasn't there long enough to go off anywhere. Nice. That's you know what right. I mean? That's right. Fair play to you. The families were there, then, because I was drinking. If you were first in, you were lucky. Fair play, <laughs> fair play. So you went off, made a few bob in London, and you bought your mammy a fridge. Fair play. And that was the first thing I bought her when I came back. I love it. Thanks for the memories, Mick. Thanks so much. So good. Keep those Thank calls you. coming. I love texts like that. Text 0868104106. Just quickly, second batch of free food Friday shout outs. 15 of you will be fed, but you need to WhatsApp who you are or where you are or text. 086-8104-106. Morning to everybody at Pat O'Donnell's Volvo and Glanmire. To everybody at Alton and International Moving and Storage and Ovens. To all of the staff at St. Mary's Primary Care Centre. To Boston Scientific who are always listening. And everybody at Audi on the Bandon Road also. Atlantic Flight Training Academy at the airport. KGW Motors in Middleton. Dennis Carney's in Little Island. Oliver Hayes Gardening Services in Bandon. O'Donovan's Pharmacy in Balafihan would love feeding. So would the Shandon Senior Citizens at Roman Close Cathedral Avenue, Power Aggregates in Carrick Tool, So Stylishly, The Curtain Makers in Bishopstown, Stanta in Blackpool, Morning to Everybody at Premet Fabrication on the Powderduff Road, Fire Duct Systems in Torrelton McCroom, uh, JC Products in Dublin Hill, Northside Glass in the Old Mallow Road, Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies, Book Your Starving Wedding Celebrant Today. <laughs> The general OPD staff in the South Infirmary Hospital, CB Tool Hire in the Tromore Road, G- or CGI Coal Store in Middleton, and one or two more, Sodexo Irving Oil in Whitegate, and finally for Natalia and all of the staff at AMS in Little Island. We'll do another bunch of shout-outs around about 20 past 11, so text who you are or WhatsApp who you are to 0868104106. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is The Neil Frienderville Show. A couple of other great events happening on Leaside next week. We have The Taste of Princess Street, which is happening on Wednesday night, Wednesday tea time, right through the night uh, from 6 o'clock onwards, and also Cork on a Fork Festival. So I have um, a little bit more to tell you about that between now and midday, including a couple of tickets to give away for a taste of Princess Street. These tickets are on sale. They're €125 Euro each. I have two of them to give away. It's one of the Cork on a Fork festival highlights, the taste of Princess Street. So I won't say any more about it for now, but in about 15 minutes' time, I'll explain some more. But with regards to uh, socialising, whether it's food or a couple of drinks, there was a story earlier on in the Red Tops where at one stage during the week they thought that there was a rural pub in County Kerry that was selling the cheapest drink, particularly the cheapest pint of Guinness in Ireland at €3.90. But then the Red Tops came along and said, oh yeah, that's all very well, but actually it's the military boozers they were saying that serve cheaper than that. Uh, pints of the black stuff for in and around €3.30. So that was a story I dealt with earlier on. Prompted a call, well, text as well, but a call from, from William, who's an ex-non-commissioned officer, probably Collins Barracks, although I'm not sure. William, good morning. Good morning. Collins Barracks? Yeah, Collins Barracks. Okay. Are you, years. Fair play. Are you retired now? Oh, God, I am. I'm 78. <laughs> okay. Did you enjoy your time there? 
I did it immensely. I was in the Congo, Cyprus, Sinai, and Lebanon. Were you? Oh, my God. I was. You really served yeah. and travelled, in fairness. But did well, you... I, I was 17 when I was in the uh, Congo. So you came straight out of school and, and into the army, was it? I did. I did. I'll be darned. Did you want All to just... All my family were in it. Yeah. And your your dad before him and his granddad before him? Oh, my God. You can say an army brothers as well. So right back to the formation of the state. Yeah, well, my my uh, my dad was in the British Army first, and then he rejoined the British Army after the Isn't first that World War. Amazing! Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So he probably would have been around when the barracks was handed over from the British back to the Irish. No, he wasn't. I was born in forty-four. No, your dad that was handed over in forty. Oh, oh God, God, he was. Yeah, he your was, dad. Okay, well, listen. Thanks for picking up because you wanted to pick up on the price of drink in the barracks bars. Because I was reading this fellow and this government and that government and everything subsidised the army barracks. No, they don't. I was in NCO in Collins Barracks and every NCO in the barracks and every barracks give a fiver a week in their wages to, to subsidise the mess. To subsidise the mess. forever. And yeah. when you say the mess, what do you mean when you say the mess? What's the mess? Oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. The, the NCO's mess. The bar, is it? The non-commissioned officers mess, yeah. Yeah. No, and like, they, every NCO gives a fiver a week and that subsidises the cheap prices. And it is, okay, but it is very cheap though. It is, but I mean if you took away, we say that there's 300 NCOs, 300 times 5, you know, that's 1,500 quid. A week, yeah. yeah. That, that would buy a few drinks, like. No, uh, I don't drink myself, but there you go. I, I'm not, don't for a moment think that I'm critical of it. I, I've, I've had a couple of pints years back in the barracks. I was lucky enough to be invited up there and had a few pints with the late, great Frank O'Brien and people like that. So I think it's... I know I th- Frank very well, he's from Cove. Yeah, well, I think, well, no, I don't, I think his people are, from, you're right, his people are from Cove, but he lived up at the top of Patrick's Hill. Oh, I know that. He was a military policeman. Now, when you look at the price, right? A pint of Beamish, yeah. €2.90. Yeah. Right? So that would be the same for Guinness and for Murphy. It is, but it's a non-profit bear. That's the thing. They don't make a profit. That's why no, they can they keep... Don't. Yeah. And they are not subsidised by the taxpayer. No, who said they, who said they were? Was it... Well, it's a, a kind of... It's on the paper. It's, no, it's no, no, but, no, 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 no. Used to be. They used to be subsidised years ago, but that's all gone now. There, it's purely funded from not making a profit. That's correct. And the fiver a week from everybody up there. Every, every NCO, not a private. Every NCO. Okay, so what are the? I mean, do you still go up there for a, for a jar? Well, with that, well, I no, I'm a pioneer, but uh, <laughs> I, I still go to the mess. We have a, it's called a Friday club. Yeah. Every fourth Friday, all the ex-soldiers ascend on the mess. And we have tea and coffee and biscuits and cannibal kinds and stuff like that. Very important. That's a brilliant yes, idea. And you a pioneer all your life. Did you take the pin? I have I have the 25-year pin and I'll be due the 50-year pin also. Isn't that amazing? You never, never touched it? I did once, and I just didn't like the taste of it. Fair play. So, you know, I bet you're all the better. I don't smoke either. You don't neither drink nor smoke. So, you, no. I, so you're, you're managed to save an awful lot of money that you weren't buying fags and pints with. No, you got it. No, That's you why can't. I have a cat in the house. <laughs> 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 all right, so I also hear that up in the barracks, up in the mess, non-alcoholic drinks for the likes of your good self. A cup of coffee, 70 cent. Yeah. A cup of tea, 50 cent. That's a, correct. A bowl of soup, 60 cent. Yeah, and it's 5.50 downtown. 
Five fifty for a bowl of soup downtown. Yes, and yes, it's seventy yes. cent. And it's good soup, I bet, is it? You bet your life it is. It's handmade. <laughs> so, um, although you wouldn't be drinking it, pints of Heineken three euro thirty, pints of stout two euro ninety, and the, the coke is cheap as well. How much is a bottle of coke if you decided you had a thirst? Fifty cent. Fifty cent. <laughs> <laughs> They're like prices from the nineteen seventies, man. So what I was given in the 1970s. I think it's don't get, I think it's brilliant. Fair play. I love it. Military yeah. boozer selling booze for half nothing. I love it. Yeah. Gin, gin and tonic. Uh, what is the gin? Two euro whiskey. Two euros, two, yeah. Whiskey two twenty. That's right. Yeah. Is it full every night? Oh God, yeah. Oh, as well, as well, as everybody goes in, in, at night, you know, and they're up there then Saturday and Sunday as well. So the five a week brings in about fifteen hundred to subsidise it and you know keep the prices That's down. Every bell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I was looking at the prices then for uh, is this the naval base? This is the naval yeah, base. It should be the same. <laughs> the naval base. All right, let's have a look at this. Guinness, Murphy's, Beamish. Uh, three euro thirty. Oh, Beamish is cheaper than Murphy. It's two ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else have we got here? Carling and Foster's three euro ten cent. Yeah. Long neck bottles, beer, anything you uh-huh. want. Long neck bottle, two euro. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? And then they, like, hang on a second. Uh, Jameson. Oh, Jameson is dear. My God, three euro eighty. That's dear. Yeah, I know, yeah. Huh? They're robbing us. They're, <laughs> they're robbing you. It's only coming in the road from Middleton. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm fair play to you, boy. Well, listen, I'm glad you're enjoying life. Fair play. Well done. Thanks, William. You're welcome. Right. Fair play. Looking at these prices, it's absolutely insane. Um, pint bottles, Bulmers, uh, €3.40, which is, quite, which is quite pricey when you compare it against Beamish. Who drink anything else but pints of Beamish, whether you're in the naval base or up in the army barracks at €2.90 a pint? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. Very years ago, we were talking about reminiscing and best before dates and stuff like that and the barracks and the price of drink from the 1970s. Way back in the day, of course, out the Lee Fields, there was an outdoor pool and everybody used to go out to the baths. Um, there were outdoors. Of course, we had the Eglinton baths as well and things like that. These days, of course, everything is indoors, of course, unless you go to the beach. But hold on a second. We were chatting this morning and we came across the only outdoor pool anywhere uh, near the city. It could well be the only outdoor pool in the county, certainly the only one that I know of anytime soon. And it's been there since the 1960s. And it's out in Carrick-Navarre, right? For those of you that might want to go a dip, go for a dip, because you can. So just very quickly, one of the guys behind it is Tom Howard. Tom, good morning. Good morning, you. Good this morning. Is, so this is an outdoor pool in Carrick-Navarre and it's been there for, what, nearly 60 years? Well, 1963 it opened originally. right. Right, okay. And it was people with vision at the time opened it and they decided that an amenity was required. And they went, they went for an open air pool, you know? <laughs> is it and the only it, one? Well, it is the only one in Cork, as far as I know. I think there's an open air pool up in Carlo as well. All right, well, but nobody wants to be travelling to Carlo to go no. for an outdoor dip. So is it, popu- and is it popular? Well, very popular. Well, you see... During the COVID there, we did we were able to open during the COVID years as well. Yeah, yeah. 2021 with with all restrictions. Because it was know. outdoors, of course. 
because outdoors. Okay. And we have the guidelines. We had reduced numbers, but okay. it has been very successful since. And how has it been in the last week or few days with the heat we've had? Oh, yes, it has been. It has been enormous. We, we are flat out at the moment. We are, we are restricted in numbers to 55 each session. You know, uh, people can queue and go for the next session as reminds well. reminds me of the old days out the Lee Fields. Do you remember? Indeed. But you see, this is, well, all the old things weren't bad. Do you know what I mean? Not at all. I'm not suggesting for a moment they were. I mean, not everybody wants to go to the seaside either or might want to swim in the sea. You know? That's correct. That's correct. And she's quite near the city. We're only 10 kilometres out. And so, um, how, what length is it? It's about 25 metres long. Big pool. Is it heated? It is heated outdoor. <laughs> we have oil heating. Heated outdoor. <laughs> and how do you pay for it? Well, we pay for it by uh, local contributions. The community council owned the pool. It is run by a, a subcommittee within the community council. And we have about 10 members of that. We pay for it normally by the, the entrance fee and the people using the, the facility. How, you know? how much is it to go like, snow for an hour then? Well, well, the sessions are 40 minutes. Right. And six euros for an adult for the 40 minutes. Yeah. So five euros for a child. And it's 130 euros for a family for the season. For God's sake, that's great value for the season. Is it all year round or is it summer? No, it's, it's only open during the summer holidays. Basically nine weeks. It's all voluntary, you see. So the summertime is the time for it. So maybe, those yeah. that look after it do so on a voluntary basis? Yes, continuously on, on a seven-day week over the summer period of eight weeks. Isn't that amazing and a great example of community involvement and people pulling together? And was there, was there times over the years, nearly 60 years, when it wasn't looking good or that there was, pretend, was the risk of it closing or anything? Well, yes, well, there was risks, of course, but like... The people of the community of Carrinavar Parish wanted their facility and they all rallied behind and we kept it going over those, those long number of years. Like in 1963, when it was dug out first, we had the first mechanical digger and cock used <laughs> in an outdoor site. I think it's brilliant. What do, you do, what do you do with it when you drain it then? If it's open for like July and August, do you take out the when plug? We, no, no, you have to... We, we, we fiberglassed the pool there two years ago with a grant from Cork County Council. <laughs> and you have to maintain the water in the pool uh, over the close period. Go away. Sim- simply because the fiberglass will come away from the wall. And you how... What I mean? But what do you use to heat it? Like, is it... Is it do you have, have a big oil tank or what? Yes, we have oil heating and we have a, a substantial burner, an oil burner to heat the water. But with the cost so of home heating oil gone through the roof, what's the story there? Last year it was seven hundred and thirty euros to fill a tank. This year it was six fifteen hundred. I know, I know. But you, you know, but you're driving, yeah, you're driving on nonetheless. Oh yes. What do you mean you have to keep going? Do you know what I mean? Have it's you a got facility. a shallow end and a deep end? Yes, there's a deep end. The deep <laughs> end is about the seventh foot and the shallow end is, is shallow, you know what I mean? So that's basically it's an immunity that people come from all around, they come from Mallow. Blarney, Carrying about White Church and the city, of course. And from this, Frank says to me, I remember as a young fellow in the 70s, like cycling from Blackpool to go swimming in Carrig. Great memories, he said. Delighted it's yes, still right. there. And it's still there and it's going from string to string. We have, we have improved it over the years. Like we have the fiberglass done. We have the, a new, a new <laughs> purification system put in. 
And we, we put a new floor on our dressing rooms recently. I think that's brilliant. I, I, I don't mean to disappoint you if you think that it is exclusive, the only one in the county of Cork. I yeah. just got a text here saying there's an outdoor pool in the village of Coulay and, okay. and the village of Balangiri. Now, whether they've won each or not, I don't know. Did you ever hear of an outdoor in Coulay or Balangiri? Yes, I think I did. Well, I thought it wasn't working, but possibly <laughs> it must be working. Hey, I'll find out whether it's working or not, but yours yeah. certainly is anyway. <laughs> Definitely, and we're after having three years great, but it was a great facility to open during the COVID. Absolutely. Indeed. but the, And people had nowhere else to go. And certainly now with the beautiful weather. Would you be encouraging people from the city and the south side and east and west to go and visit? Oh, definitely. We have had quite a people, a lot of people from the south side and north side come out, you know, and they, they have an enjoyable day there. And so, how, would you, how would you book an outdoor dip? Well, you, what you have to do really is queue. We have a queuing system right. and you pay, pay as you go. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So well, it's the only way you can do it on a voluntary basis, you know. Fair play. And open all through the month of August for what's left August, of it anyway. Well, well July and it, it opened the 27th of June, we'll say, when the school's closed. And it is open now until the 27th of August. And is it just the outside the village or what? It's just outside. Well, you come into Carrinavar Village and you just turn left for the White Church Road and just just, just outside there. Well done. Do you know? Fair play. Just, Fair you play. Know. So we're very proud of our facility. And you so know, we should be. Okay, let's find out you if know. the let's find out if the one in Coulee or Balangiri are actually well, working. Hopefully they're open. But you're certain <laughs> you certainly are and working away. Fair play. Listen, good to chat, Tom. Thanks for taking yeah, the call. Really? Thank you. Fantastic. That's Tom Howard from the community organisation that looks after the Carrig Navarre outdoor pool. Great to hear. There is talk of another Lido on Leaside. I, I, I don't know where I got confused, but I think that they were talking about something out around the Lee Fields where it used to be in the first place. Anyway, can I just mention ahead of the break, do you remember the big, big huge bunch of giant straws that I brought out here? Claire had the... Claire had a yearning for a, a Haribo straw, and I brought out a big, huge bag. It was a massive thing, a 3,000-gram bag of it is what I brought back. You may, you may not have known about this. It was up online, and we were getting people to guess how many straws were in the bag, so everybody was having a guess. Well, the result is in. She actually physically counted every single one of them, and there were 262 giant straws. They are big now. They're almost the size of a hockey puck. Big, giant straws, 262 of them. And apparently... The man who came closest um, was Dave O'Sullivan from Carrigaline. He guessed 260. There were 262, Dave. You guessed 260. So you came closest. Others then that we randomly chose was Colette Desmond uh, in Ballancolig, Martin O'Reardon in Carrigaline. And we have all sorts of different... Uh, actually, so we picked more than one winner. But the main winner was Dave O'Sullivan Cargilline. And he got to choose then one of our tourist attractions that he'd like to go and win a family pass for. And he chose Skibbereen Heritage Centre. So he's off there. Colette Desmond is going to the farm in Granada. And Martin O'Reardon and Cargilline chose bowling and laser tagging at Perks in Yall. And he said, please give a big shout out to my daughter, Isabel. She's the one who made him enter. And she also was one of the people who took part in our, our 99 ice cream challenge at Oodles Down in Maham Point. So we had lots of entries. So there was 262 uh, in it. And Dave came closest by guessing 260. Job done. He also wins. And I'll have to go out and buy another bag of it next week. Uh, a 3,000 gram bag of Haribo giant straws. There'll be some eating in that. Enjoy. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 
midday, 0818-104-106. Big time chasing the clock this morning, but we will squeeze in another Westlife song sometime between now and midday. And the tickets that I'm going to give away again... 29th caller um, that we pick will be for tonight's gig so you need to if you win you need to get yourself out here ASAP and pick up the tickets I physically have them here they're for tonight's gig and they're premium tickets so you're listening out for a Westlife song this side of uh, midday also we've got uh, one more bunch of shout outs for Roosters Piri Piri then we'll pick a winner around about 10 minutes to midday and all through July and indeed August, we've been giving away family passes for great locations all over the city and county. A tremendous success with that. So many people came on board and I want to say thank you to each and every one of them. And I try then from time to time to jump in and chat with some of the different attractions. I just want to take five or six minutes out to chat with Ed Toomey. Now, Ed has the backstory to Clonakilty Black Puddings Visitor Centre because it's his family business founded by his parents. So a quick call and a shout out to all of them down there. Ed, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? But I'm really interested now to the backstory behind the success of Clonakilty, black pudding, white pudding and sausages and bacon and rashers. How did it start? Well, it all started in 1976. Um, my father bought a butcher shop here in Clonakilty, uh, in 16 Pier Street in Clonakilty, and that butcher shop is still there to, to this day. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, uh, he, he started off as, as a butcher, and there was a, an old black pudding recipe that came with the shop. The famous, what would be known at the time as Harrington's black pudding. Gotcha. So the, the black pudding was, was made in, in the back of the shop. Um, and I suppose himself and, and my mother were, were, uh, were running the shop. And he was, uh, he was making the black pudding in the back. He had a, a, a man who used to come in once, once a, a week to make pudding in the back. Okay. And we, and we won't necessarily that, dwell on the ingredients of the black pudding. But, um, well, we, we, we can't tell you the ingredients because they're, they're certainly the spice, the spice mix is a, is a secret recipe. So uh, that, even, that, I don't, even I don't know that. That's the secret, you see. So that yeah. recipe would be very old then, would it, Ed? Oh, it is. It's over 100. It's a, I think it's 120 plus years at the moment now. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I, and it's, actually, it's more. It's, it's from the 1880s. So, I'll be um, darned. And the white yeah. pudding then, they, were they growing their own oats and, uh, and also growing their own onions for the black and white puddings and things? Well, we're, we're, we are growing oats now and onions for, for the black and white pudding. Okay. And the sausages? What's the secret the sausages, there? They're hugely well, the, popular. I mean, the, internationally. The they were developed by my mother uh, back in the mid '80s. Uh, she she developed the white pudding and and the sausages. So um, yeah, the sausages have gro- have grown from from strength to strength, and they're uh, they're very popular here in Ireland, and they're also quite popular in the UK. Yeah, how'd you break into overseas markets? That's got to be hard, isn't it? Well, we do, do you know what we were we were exporting for years without actually officially exporting because. The people at Clannacilty were taking it with, with them on holidays when they were going to visit their, their families in the UK and yeah, all over Europe. And they were going on holidays. They were, they were taking over frozen sausages and frozen pudding. And uh, it kind of it grew from there, really. You That's know? fantastic. I see them also in the duty-freeze at airports. Yes, uh, our duty-free um, in, in, in Cork Airport is, is very popular. And that, and that fridge is constantly emptying. So have so you any kind uh, of content as to, you know, numbers with regards to how many sausages, how many black and white puddings you're making yearly or weekly or annually or whatever? Oh, I, I know we're, we're, we're making around 25 ton of, uh, of, of pudding a, a week and um, with sausages and I, I couldn't, I actually couldn't tell you. Well, enough, enough to keep all the big farmers happy, I'd say. 
Well, that's it. That's it. And of course, with beef, beef farmers for the black pudding because the black pudding is, is, is beef. Oh, man, it's incredible. And the visitor centre then, I actually drove a couple of summers back. I was driving down around Clon and then I saw your location. It's enormous. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's our that's our, our factory, yeah. I suppose. And that was that was the brainchild of my mother, Colette. Was that you know to, when when we were building a new factory to also incorporate a, a visitor centre into it because for years and years people were coming to Clannacilty and they were visiting our butcher shop and just to get you know a, 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 to to call to the original home of, of of the black pudding and to get some of the story. So you know, um, Colette was very keen to to push on and we, when we were doing the factory to to have a dedicated space for uh, a visitor experience. I know. Now, sadly, I know your dad, Eddie, passed away, but your mom is still thriving and still rocking. They had fierce vision, the two of them, didn't they? They really they really did, you know. And uh, just going back to when when the butcher shop uh, first opened, uh, making the black pudding was a, a massive effort. And my father actually stopped making the pudding for, for a few weeks, believe it or not. And he realized that customers weren't coming into the shop anymore. And they were coming in especially for the pudding. So he was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. Yeah. So the two of them got, you know, they, 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 uh, up. they built a small factory and then we moved into a, a larger premises and then we built this, uh, this new facility on the Western Road in, in Clonacilty a few Fair years ago. Well done, well done. So, so, and it obviously employs an awful lot of people, clearly, like. Yeah, we have we have 50 plus staff in, in, the, in the factory alone. We have 8 to 10 staff in the visitor centre and we have 10 staff in our butcher shop in, in the main street. Okay, so just very quickly, because time's against me. I get, I get the audio tour down at the visitor centre. What am I going to see? What am I going to experience? And hopefully I get to well, taste things, will I? You're, you're going to go back in time, I suppose, is the best way just to, to see uh, Clannacilty just from from years gone by and get a kind of a build-up of the story of where where we came from and, and where we are today. Wow. You know? Wow, it's a walk back and in time. You, you, you get to, to walk into an old version of the shop and actually at the back then there's uh, an appearance my, my father made on the Late Late Show many, many moons ago when he met, met Gay Byrne, so he's, he's there. And then, so it's great to, to have him as, as, as a part of the, the visitor experience. Fair play, you know? but do you get to see any of the production or the cooking rooms where the stuff, there, I mean, or is that off limits? No, no, there is a viewing window into the, into the production room. There is a viewing window also into the, into the cook room. But we, uh, we have a strict no photographs policy <laughs> inside it. So you get, to, you get to go in and look with Why? your own eyes. Why? 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 Uh, we don't want to be giving away any of our secrets, you know. But... Uh, the secret have, recipes. Uh, which <laughs> well, the secret recipe, the spice room is completely off limits. No one is allowed in, in the spice room except for Colette Toomey herself. And that's it. Do you not even know? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I, I don't know and uh, neither do my, my, my two brothers, uh, but Patrick it, or Dalton. But hang on. So only, at some stage, you're going to have to be told, though, aren't you? Well, I don't know. I have um, I have an 11-month-old son, uh, Oliver. Um, it's his birthday soon, but uh, he... Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling she might skip skip a generation and give it straight to him. <laughs> it's written. It was written down somewhere in a safe, maybe. It is, it is written down somewhere safe. I'll yes, tell you what, Ed. Uh, check under her bed. I bet it's under her bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it is it is it is inside in her head, and that's and that's it. You know. All um, right. Okay. Well, no, I know my, fa- my father had the recipe, and my mother always had the recipe, and then when my father passed away, my my mother is the only one with the rest. It's damn fine stuff, and people will get to sample the black and the white pudding, the vegetarian, well, the sausages, and the rashers. That's the thing. If you if you do the, the tour at the very end of it, then um, there is a, a, a tasting section where you 
where you get to try out uh, some, some of our products. I love it. I'm going to give away three family passes and thank you for them. Continued success. Fair play to Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Great Thank job. you very much. Neil. Take care. Cheers. It took me from Clonakilty uh, Black Pudding Visitor Centre. And it's a lot more than just black pudding. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So we have three family passages to give away now. Callers 9, 10 and 11, 0818 If you want to book directly and go yourself, it's clonakiltyblackpudding.ie. Open Monday to Saturday from half nine to half four. And the weekends, 11 to half four. Uh, on Sundays so check it out yourself but we have those passes to give away right now so get dialing 0818104106 I hope to get everything done this morning I really and truly do so if I plough along very quickly uh, Lee was telling me that she was contacted uh, earlier in the week by Dr Hiram Hiram Morgan uh, who is um, at UCC um, and he was telling her a very interesting story about a pirate called Prendiville. Now, this is of interest to me because way back in the day, I was a pirate, but this was pirate radio. But it seems as if there could well have been a relation of mine who was a pirate way, way before me. So it turns out that I'm not the first pirate Prendiville in Ireland by all accounts. Here I am, good morning. Hello, how are you keeping? So how come you were researching stuff like this at UCC? What were you up to? Well, in this case, uh, like my main interest is is relations between Ireland and Spain in the 16th and 17th century. And in this case, a local Spanish researcher, Oscar Hernandez, uh, who lives actually in Model Farm Road direction, he, he brought this to our attention, this man, Richard Prunobile, as he was called, Ricardo Prunobile, as he was called by the Spaniards, who, who, who was a a pirate in their service in, in the 17th century. 1600s. But from That's North right. Kerry, is it? Well, the, the, the Prendervilles originally came from, from Kerry around the Tralee area. And uh, the, you, you originally had lands there, which you lost during the Desmond Wars. And then, of course, after the Battle of Kinsale, this branch of the Prendervilles um, went into exile in Spain and that's how they came to serve. You uh, are right the- about North Kerry because my father's people are all from an area called Moy Van, which would be that kind of general area, wouldn't it? Right, OK. Yeah. OK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they had lands near Tralee and they had something to do with the castle in Tralee. Before. So were we very wealthy back then? Uh, well, you, you certainly had lands and uh, you had lands in the area which you lost in the Desmond uh, uh, confiscation. Damn it. We didn't bury any treasure that I should be going back looking for, no? Uh, I doubt it uh, <laughs> at this stage. Uh, but certainly they had lands. Like they were obviously a Norman family, uh, de Bonneville in the first instance, who came to, to carry with the Norman conquest. And then, of course, they became Gaelicized and Hibernicized, uh, you know, like became more Irish than the Irish themselves. So this particular relation of mine, Richard Prendiville, was a pirate. He was a colourful character, was he? Oh, absolutely, he was. Like when he was finally captured by the French, uh, he, he was wearing a, um, a cross made of, um, he was apparently a natty dresser and he was wearing a cross uh, made from uh, a shark's tooth. Uh, and that was one of his <laughs> distinguishing uh, features. He had this, like that char- those characters from Pirates of the Caribbean. Delighted now, to have him as a distant cousin. Yeah, well, I don't think I, I, like, I don't think he, he 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 certainly didn't leave a family in Spain. Like he had a daughter, and uh, maybe she left some descendants. But the Prenevals as a family don't exist in, in Spain now. So, like uh, the French capturing him in 
getting rid of him uh, meant that uh, you have probably very few descendants in Spain at this stage. I don't know about that. I mean, some might say that I have a Mediterranean complexion. At one stage in my life, being quite dark before I went white. But anyway, that's for another story. So what about the run-ins that he had with the English at sea? Did he capture a lot of... He was a pirate, so he must have been going after booty, was he? Well, well, what happens is that like, he originally went into Spanish service and many of the people who came from the Munster area went into the Spanish Navy. And he's originally... Uh, operating against the Barbary pirates in in in, in the Mediterranean, uh, and that's where he cuts his teeth, as it were, uh, against the Barbary pirates. But uh, he he comes into our uh, uh, sites when he, he starts uh, operating out of Dunkirk, uh, and at that stage, in about sixteen thirty, he's got a, a license from Spain, so he is a privateer. At, He's an official pirate, and he's attacking the boats of the Dutch, whom the um, the Span- Spanish are at war with. I love it—a pirate with a license. And so, he got, probably got at, at other times, at other times, he would actually uh, sort of do false flag operations and put his his. And he had a multinational crew, so he would have certain people on deck, and he would actually act as an ordinary pirate and just steal stuff, like attack Danish ships, for instance, and French ships at that stage, which he shouldn't have been attacking. He was a greedy bugger. How was he so, caught? Well, he, <laughs> uh, well, he was caught here in 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 Cork in in 1633. He had been in an operation in the North Sea where he had come in to uh, places, uh, Great Yarmouth, for instance, and he would, he would follow Dutch ships in, they would dock, and then he would cut their cables and he would tow them away, you see. So he'd come round here to, to the south of Ireland looking for Dutch ships, and he, he came to Conceal, asked about Dutch ships, and he said the people in Conceal told him there was two Dutch ships in Bantry. So he went off towards Bantry looking for these Dutch ships. But somewhere at Crookhaven, he he decided to fix his ship and um, and he took the mast off it. And then his men went carousing in the local taverns. <laughs> and at that stage, he was arrested by the English. Oh, no. And, and oh, he was arrested no. by... Uh, but he, but by this stage, he had already been in the Tower of London anyhow on a former, uh, earlier pirate operation. Uh, and But the, the thing was that the, the fact was that he was operating under a... Um, Spanish license. The English didn't he, like that. So back to the tower. For well, him, no, then, was no, it? not quite. No, the, the the Dutch were competitors of the English, and like taking Dutch ships probably wasn't that big a deal. And also, technically speaking, he was a British subject, so uh, he he wasn't doing anything wrong. So he he actually got off. He got away from the English, and also he was a friend of the Spanish ambassador in London who got him out of jail as well. So how it did, because I don't have a much time, but how did he meet his end and was it grisly in the end then? Well, in the later uh, 1630s, he was operating out of uh, Asturias uh, with a, then a, a, a ship manned with, with Irish uh, sailors and he was attacking the French whom then the uh, Spain went to war with France in 1635, so he had another license to attack the French. And he captures several French ships, and um, he sinks a, a, a number of other French ships, but the French eventually um, capture him in La Rochelle. He's held in jail in La Rochelle. The Spanish try to ransom him out of La Rochelle, but uh, 
it's said that the French poisoned him. It's alleged that the French poisoned him. Uh, poisoned his food, is it? Well, we don't know uh, because they didn't want to release him because he was such a danger to, to trade. Um, <laughs> he, like, he was a real chancer. Like, uh, he, he, uh, uh, he, he went under several names. Like The English called him Captain Bromfield. They, like, he had a number of aliases. Amazing. Uh, uh, he would claim to be French in certain cases when he attacked different ships. Uh, and uh, like, the English described him as causing more danger uh, uh, to shipping than all the Turks I- in Algeria. So... <laughs> So I he was any of his characteristics or, characteristics or attributes have rubbed off on me. A chancer, yeah, a, a chancer uh, probably would, did. Yeah, a chancer would be uh, <laughs> uh, oh a euphemism, God. I would say, for his career. Oh, a man. very colourful career. There's indeed, a film. Yeah. There's a film in Richard Prendival, then, isn't there? There is indeed. <laughs> I would say. Right. Uh, uh, Love and, it. And, and a multinational uh, production, to say the least. What do you do with all his money, for God's sake? He must have made a fortune. Do you give it away, or is it lost? I'm going to go searching. Well, I, like obviously, he he spent a few bob on uh, the the woman he married in 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 Asturias, and as I say, he had a daughter called Clara, and that's obviously where he would have eventually settled down, I suppose. But that was not to be. All right, it all stayed in Spain then. What can you do? Win some, lose some. Listen, Hiram, thank you for taking the time and doing the research. I found it really, really well, interesting. Uh, a lot of it's Oscar's research, so like I have to Put yourself give him Oscar. a plug. All right, my friend. Thanks so Here's much. Me. Take thank care. You. From UCC, Bye-bye. Dr. Hiram Morgan on uh, Forbearer of Mine, the pirate Richard Prendival. Uh, back here on Lee Side to the Cold K we go, or at least, can I say, the Cold K have come to me. We have Shawleys in studio ahead of the festival next. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Okay, all microphones ready to go. The Cold K Festival starts uh, tomorrow and it's an action-packed itinerary of that, you can be sure. Happy to say I have three beautiful, beautifully dressed uh, Shawleys in studio this morning. Suzanne and Breda and Valerie. I'd say it's hot in the Shawls, lads. It is. Very it well. is. <laughs> <laughs> be hotter tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they are heavy, aren't they? Very, yeah. very heavy. God, how did they do it? Or maybe they didn't have summers like this back in the day. I'd say not. <laughs> <You're definitely> not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, talking about the cold K, you're going to give me a song. You bet. All right. Have you practiced? No. no. <laughs> and it better be good now because you, you, Breeders, you claim that I'm in bad form, is it? Well, I was told that. No, so we said we'd come along and cheer you up. I'm not in bad form. Why would you be in bad form with weather like this in the sunshine? Anyway, what are you going to sing? Up the cold K. In your own time then, the Shawleys and the cold K. Cabbages and prams, chickens and hams, you'll buy them up the cold K. Dealers and shawls, farmers and all, you'll hear them up the cold K. Buskers sing, bustle and swing, it's the scene of the cold gate. Oh, what a fool, I left that old school. I also miss Caddy Barry. Shinnewell. Oh, my God <laughs> almighty. It's incredible. You're in great voice. In great, great voice. And talking about being in great voice, at midday tomorrow, the sound of the Shandon bells will start the festival, right? Yes. That's right. Okay. What's going to be happening? What's going on? Now, at, we'll have our parish priest come along and just say a few words. And then we're going to release white doves 
in honour of all the deceased traders, well, dealers and residents of the area. You do that every year. It's every a lovely year. site, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah. And there's a lot of family activity organised, isn't there? There is. I mean, I see for the family face painting, balloon making, magic shows, puppet shows, arts and crafts, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, car characters, the yep. lot. Everything. And it's all free. And you couldn't have got better weather. Oh, God, it's a bit too hot too no, for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can't take them off. No, no. So, can you trace any of those shawls back, girls? Like, I mean, are they? We are do. They, are they originals? Yes. Way all, back. All originals. My, my one is a, a double decker. See that there? No, it's fringe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this belonged to a neighbour of mine. I never knew it. We were looking for this. Is that a Lowther shawl? Is it? No, not Mrs. Lowther's. No, um, Bridgie Duggan, right from Portney's Lane. But we got this on our second festival. A man came along on the call again. He said, I want to give you this. It's belonged to my grandmother. She came from Curl's Key. Right. And he said, uh, I know you'll put it to good use. And you have. So we're wearing it since. Yeah. And now, that's other, 125 years old. And just like as if it's just yeah. off the peg. Yeah. yeah. And the other two? Yeah. Uh, I'm still researching mine. Mine is over 100 years old, but this is the pauper's one for the poor people. Is it? Yeah. Why do, how can you tell? Uh, the, the double decker, the fringe. It's it's a simpler design, yeah. is it? Yes. Yeah. The pop. So you could yeah. tell a shawly as to how many if they had money, uh, yeah. they had money or not yeah. by the by the quality of the shawl. Yeah. Yes. Never knew that. And the third the one, fringe. My one is over a hundred years old, and I got it from a neighbour of mine. He had it up in his attic. His name was Christy McCarthy, and he played with um, the. What's the name of that band? He wore the, the kilt. Brand, the, the band. Yeah. Open Valley Vihan. We met him at the twenty sixteen. Uh, centenary and uh, we were telling him that we were looking for a show and he said I have one up in my attic isn't it amazing so he gave it to me and he said it was belonged to a, a Mrs um, what was her name again um, can't think of her name don't worry about well, that she lived across from Grand Church and there was 14 children reared in it so I'm proud to be wearing it now today when you say weird in it what do you mean by that reared reared reared, reared. reared. Yeah. that's the cork saying no reared. I know it's, I know the word reared but as in as in like that was there you know they, she wrapped them in the shawl yes. oh she did there was a certain way that you put the baby in was there, there and yeah and, and it's amazing yeah. that it, over a hundred years old it's something in an attic old, and not yeah. a mothball in it not yeah. a, not a, yeah. no, not no. perfect Perfect, yeah. And will there be music tomorrow? Like, have you the butter out there or the baraka? Which, which no, be? it's not. We have uh, George and the Rorden Parties. Oh, I knew he'd be there. He's he, there every year. He's Brilliant. there every year. Uh, there's a, a list of them there. But, uh, Muddy Lee. Muddy Lee. That's mm-hmm. Richard Cook and us singing. And we have a new song, but uh, we don't know it off by heart yet. Do you know any of it? Uh, We'd have to learn it by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so from midday all across the day on the Colca, keeping the tradition alive in memory, of course, of the great Catty Barry. Did any of you know yes. her? Oh, yes. we did. We all knew her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, all I see is photographs, and yes. like she oh, was. We, we know her. Yeah. Yeah. We used to go yes. for, yeah. for the candy apple. Yeah. Down the lane. Get, yeah, in the lane. Yeah. Was she very approachable? Oh, she was. Yeah, she used to frighten me anyway because <laughs> I just see the work on her face and I, I, I'd be terrified. But all I wanted was my candy apple. <laughs> and did you ever go into the she bean where they'd no, be selling no. the illegal Only liquor? The, the front of the shop. Front We'd front go in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we used to collect all the isolated sticks off the ground around the streets and then Kitty would give you bros, you know, and the broken, paper cone, sh- broken, broken sweets, sweets, yeah. sweets, or a candy apple. But if you were looking for the candy apple, no, they weren't covered or anything. Yeah. But there was big caps in them. 
you know, are the bigger the cap, the better. But she was very good to us as well, like, you know. So I think we're hoping to get the statue for her. We should have oh, had it this year. But over lockdown, everything was has it been? It hasn't been made, but it's been commissioned, has uh, it? No, not yet. And where will it go? On the Colca. How tall will it be? Uh, Life, oh, life size, size. Oh, the pillar. Can't we need that, and we yes, also need we the do. one to the dockers down the keys. Yes, yes. Exactly. must happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that will happen. The, uh, the, co- the cold care one for 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 Kitty Caddy Barry. No, well, no, we have to push out the dockers. Will happen. Will happen. Yeah, because yeah. uh, O'Callaghan Properties are going to sponsor that. Well, that's a brilliant yeah. call company doing the so right thing. Yeah, hopefully yeah. Now and we'll, did, did we'll you bring it? Yeah, go on. Yeah, we were talking to the Lord Mayor the other day, so we're going to meet up with her. And she said it's about time that there was a statue on the Kolke, and especially for a woman. For a woman, yeah. So it's going to happen. It will. Happen. Yeah, with you guys pushing anyway, it will happen. Oh, and yes. did you br- did you bring some did you bring some treats? Oh, we, we did. did. What, what have you got? Candy, Candy apples, chester cake. Oh, you did bring chester cake, <laughs> did you? Oh, my God. we know you like it. Where'd you get it? That's the secret. That we it's all full of secrets this morning. Chester, oh, Chester cake rep- recipes are secrets, and black pudding yes. down in Clonakilty is a secret. Thank you so much. And we have paper roses as well. Yeah. Paper roses. That's not the first sound. And they're handmade. <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah. just we'd like to mention um, Catherine Coffee O'Brien. Yeah. Who showed us how to make the paper roses? She brought us up to our house a couple of years ago. They are just divine. And we are making them since. They are divine. And her mother, mother yeah, Christine. Christine O'Brien. So is this a very old tradition then? Yes. yes. Yeah. Or else used to sell them for a living on the gold cake. And then sell them on the cold sell them on, yeah. Paper roses. Paper roses. Made out of tissue. Yeah. Yes. Crepe paper. Crepe paper. Crepe paper, forgive yeah. me. Yeah. They are just gorgeous. The detail is incredible. And who'd buy them then? Anyone oh, and everyone. everyone used to buy them. Used to buy them because time, like, they'd, they'd have a bunch of flowers out in there. The windowsill. Yeah. But yeah. it was all, well, plastic came in later on. That's right. Paper yeah. So oh, these yeah. preceded the plastic yeah. ones. God, yeah. oh my, there's something very beautiful about them. I'm not a fan of the plastic ones, but I would be of these. But they wouldn't want to stand a, f- a fall of rain, though. No, no. no. <laughs> okay, well, well, you don't have to wash them anyway. And if you wanted to smell a rose, I'm just spray a bit of perfume on it and smell it. You see, you're the smart one now for thinking of that. Fair play. All right, listen, are we going to have any bar of a song to finish up this morning and head you into the weekend and midday tomorrow, the start? It's the 10th annual Cold Cave Festival, Family Festival, lads. What are you going to do? Can you? Oh, can I pressure? just mention Rita Doherty in Nocknahini? You got around to me there a few years ago yeah. about the candy apples. Yeah. And she's still making them for Isn't us. Isn't that amazing? Now she's up at home at the moment making 500 apples for us. The sweat is pouring off her. And the candy will probably run <laughs> over the heat. Well, so we just want to say thanks to. I, I was reared on candy apples and Chester cake. I can tell you, I'm going to dive, I'm going to dive into that hamper. Anyway, it's great to see. I'm delighted we didn't do this by phone. That you guys came out instead. And as you can see, I am in great form. You are. You are now. You are now. She says, "The cheek of you." <laughs> Well, we give you a belt to the shawl. Oh, and give us a belt to the shawl. <laughs> <laughs> Any old tune then to finish? No, am I putting you under pressure? Paper roses? <clears throat> yeah. Go on, let's hear it. I'm Paper roses. All right. I, I realise the way your eyes deceive me. 
With tender looks that I mistook for love So take away the flowers that you gave me And send the kind that you remind me of Paper roses, paper roses Oh, how real those roses seem to me. But they're only imitations. <laughs> like your imitation love. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, and you got a flick of the shawl in there I as well. Looks really <laughs> stylish. <laughs> Off you go now for a feed of pigs, head and cabbage. Leave that too. Or bodice. Leave that. The great, the great cork shawlies, lads. Suzanne, Deneen, Bree, Deneen, Scanlon and Valerie, Deneen Powers. Great to see you all. Best of luck tomorrow. The weather's on your side and everybody will be there to celebrate. Thanks so much for coming in, lads. Super stuff. The cork shawlies. Boy, I absolutely love it all day long. Last bit of business. Can I please check in on our free Food Friday winners for this week? I want to head down to Stanta in Blackpool. Sean! Well done, free food Friday winners for this week. Are you all right? Hungry? Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, uh, we've been entering for the last three years. We're sick of entering. Thank oh, my, isn't it? Look, you didn't stop. Isn't luck you didn't stop entering then? Because you won eventually. Yeah, someone asked me this morning. I was thinking, yeah, it's been about three years now we're entering. <laughs> <laughs> Are people saying to you, why haven't we won yet? Is it? Yeah, yeah, we were thinking it's our favourites in that group. Oh, no, 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 we try and get to everybody sooner or later. Well done to Stanta in Blackpool. I hope Appreciate there's 15 it. of you, maybe more, because Rooster's Piri Piri is on the way, all right? Thanks, Neil. Have a lovely weekend. You See too, ya. and enjoy the weekend. Now, I won't get to play the Westlife song for tonight's gig, but I have two tickets for Westlife. Who wants Westlife when you have the Shawley singing in studio? But anyway, they're down Parky Queef. So we'll take caller 29, lads, right? 0818 Now, if you win these tickets and you're going, you've got to come out to Red FM to pick them up. We're out here in Curraheen. The lads will give you the details, but they're available there for tonight. So get dialing and enjoy. Just before I go, you might uh, like to remember that there are no glass bottles allowed into the stadium uh, there are some drinking water fountains available for, for people who need it so drink lots of water good few people are texting wondering about a lack of water there'll be plenty of water but no glass bottles but stay hydrated have a super weekend and I'll see you Monday for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts